WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The Secret Service said it has closed its investigation into that mysterious bag of cocaine that was found in a White House work area earlier this month. After the Secret Service discovered cocaine in the West Wing of the White House, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said President Biden expected a thorough investigation. But after just 10 days, the Secret Service closed its investigation, unable to identify whose cocaine it was and how it got inside the White House. I would like answers because it just seems like any time we have any questions about any unsavory activity around the Bidens, no one no one can provide an answer conclusively or not. Someone always ends up lying. Jared Kushner apparently testified before a federal grand jury investigating efforts to overturn the 2020 election. That's according to the New York Times, which says Donald Trump's son-in-law, Kushner, was questioned about whether the former president was privately admitting the fact that he had lost while publicly claiming the lie that he won. The city council overrode Mayor Adams' veto on a package of bills to expand housing vouchers for the homeless. The city council says those measures will help more people move out of shelters and also prevent those at risk of eviction from becoming homeless. Last month, the mayor ended the city's 90-day rule that required people to stay in shelters for nearly three months before becoming eligible for a voucher. In a statement, the mayor said his office is reviewing the next steps. A New York State appeals court handing down an order today that it's expected to have major implications in the 2024 election. Right, that order saying New York congressional maps must be redrawn, doing away with the current districts which led to the local red wave we saw during the 2022 midterms. Congressional district lines have huge consequences when it comes to the balance of power here in New York and on Capitol Hill. Democrats, of course, are eager to win back control of the House, and New York could play a hand in making that happen depending on how those lines are drawn. Republicans are equally as motivated to keep things the way they are now. Well, the strike order has been made and will now be executed. Hollywood's TV and movie actors vote for the biggest walkout in four decades and will hit the picket lines. More than 150,000 of those actors will now join the screenwriters who walked off the job back in May, setting off the first industry-wide shutdown in 63 years. This pair of strikes will effectively shut down Hollywood. Say goodbye to Hollywood. (laughs) 
You know what the best part about this story is? As the actors are about to go on strike or went on strike, SAG after the whole strike, the best part of this whole story, Billy Joel, say goodbye to Hollywood, is, are you ready for this? It affects me. <laughs> Hard to believe, but it does. No, I can't. I can't. I know. I will not. I refuse to believe that. <laughs> well, You're going to have to convince me, well, Rosenberg. I'm going to convince you right now. First of all, the um, the strike, the actors are pissed off about a lot of stuff. They want more money. That's always the case. They want um, higher residuals from streaming. And I guess everybody these days is nervous about AI, artificial intelligence. Even radio guys should be nervous. Right? I mean, AI can take my voice and put me in a bunch of really difficult situations. They can take my voice and just do a show. I mean, we did a, a little exercise yesterday with Noam, which was fantastic, doing Noam's Nuggets, where he actually put my name into chat GBT, GPT, excuse me, GPT, and this thing went ahead and, and did a whole show. Actually mapped out a whole conversation between me and Lewis which was hilarious, great radio, but I must tell you, terrifying. So this Dis- whole AI dis- thing is becoming a big issue. Disconcerting. Scary. Yes, disconcerting. But I'm going to use it to uh, p- print out scripts. That's it, so I can know <laughs> what to should. say to you. Why not? Wow, Sid, can you look at all the clouds out there today? It looks like a crazy Friday. And then you'll have like... Eight pages of me talking about the clouds and why that does equate to a crazy Friday. Okay, right. So one of the stars in Gravesend, if you haven't heard, I'm in this television show, Gravesend Season 2. It's on Amazon Prime. If you haven't gotten it, get it. Some of you folks are bitching because it's like $11 for nine episodes. I swear to God. I think it's two ninety nine for episode one, 89 cents for episode two. And people are like, I'm not going to pay for this. Oh, God, don't pay for it. What do I care, you cheap bastard? My God. You try to go to the movies these days, you're going to spend 80 bucks. This is like $11 to get nine and a half hours of really good programming. Gravesend season two. And we got a great, great cast. William DeMeo, Peter Gordio, Christopher Marmando, Chaz Palminteri, Vinny Pastore, Armand DeSante. The list goes on and on. Some great female actresses, too. Yes, I still call them actresses, not actors. Actors have a penis. Actresses have a vagina. That's what I was brought up on. That's how I keep it. So we've got Gina Gershon, <laughs> great actress, vagina. And we've got Fran Drescher. Fran Drescher is great in Gravesend. And it just so happens that Fran Drescher happens to be the president of the, I guess what you call it, the Screen Acting Guild. S-A-G-S. All right, thank you. She's the president, and uh, she's out there defending Kim Kardashian. She's out there defending her fellow brothers and sisters in the acting industry. And if you missed it, she spoke publicly yesterday. This, Lewis, is Fran Drescher, cut number 12. I am shocked by the way the people that we have been in business with are treating us. I cannot believe it, quite frankly, how far apart we are on so many things, how they plead poverty. 
that they're losing money left and right when giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs. It is disgusting. Shame on them. They stand on the wrong side of history at this very moment. We stand in solidarity, in unprecedented unity. Our union and our sister unions and the unions around the world are standing by us. So that is one aspect of the story that uh, gets me involved in that. I just uh, I'm on a TV show right now doing very, very well. In fact, I believe it's one, two or three for the most viewed now. It's caught up to Yellowstone on Amazon Prime and both me and Rand Drescher are in it. But on a serious note, what really does affect me is I told you guys that I was planning on taking off August 10th and August 11th flying out to Los Angeles for the red carpet premiere of the movie I'm in. Used to be called Gemini Lounge. Now it's called Inside Man. True story about that Roy DeMeo Gambino crime bar, Flatlands, Brooklyn. And Danny A., of course, made the movie. Great actor. And uh, you got Emil Hirsch. You've got Lucy Hale, Ashley Green, just like he's great in Gravesend, Bo Deedle, all those stars. And I was planning on flying out. For the premiere, which takes place in Los Angeles, Thursday night, August the 10th, and then the movie actually hits theaters all across the country the very next day, Friday, August 11th. So I was going to go to the movies in L.A. and watch it with the regular folks. Oh, there he is again. Yeah, I did it again, didn't I? Where's my shirt? My regular folks. So I get a text yesterday from Danny A., who made the movie, and the text goes like this. He must have Googled something. And it reads, the strike means that actors have to stop all of their work, including promoting their upcoming films and movies. But the stars of highly anticipated movies Barbie and Oppenheimer, both due in theaters today, July 21, were able to squeeze in a premiere right before the strike was formally ashed or started. So what I'm saying is, is after that text... Danny sent me another one that said, as of now, red carpet premiere canceled. I, yikes. Yikes. They, they must have just gotten that in because they started midnight last night. That's right? right. Okay. He goes, we'll see what happens. The movie is still coming out on the 11th. See how it plays out. They might settle soon. So Danny says to me via text, 9 o'clock last night, they might settle soon. But listening to Fran Drescher, she went on and on how far apart they are. Doesn't Do- sound good. Doesn't sound good at all, right? No. If I, I play that one more time because this is uh, my whole acting career could be over. That's it. <laughs> I was brilliant in Gravesend. I'm getting accolades every day. I'll tell you about last night coming up momentarily, and it may be all over. <laughs> I mean, all it was needed was for her to scream at the problem. Like, how could you people do this to Sid? <laughs> do you that would have been great. What this year? Well, you know means? what? In all seriousness, if Gnome. Goes into chat GPT. He can have Rand Drescher do that. Of AI. Course. AI can do that. Of course. She would actually say, how can you do this to the great budding actor, Sid Rosenberg? <laughs> right? No, we can do that, right? Yeah. Yeah, we could. I could do it right now. Do it. Let's do that. Uh, but first, let's play it one more time. What she actually one. did say, and then we'll get Gnome to somehow include me. Here's Fran Drescher. I am shocked by the way the people that we have been in business with are treating us. 
I cannot believe it, quite frankly, how far apart we are on so many things, how they plead poverty, that they're losing money left and right when giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs. It is disgusting. Shame on them. They stand on the wrong side of history at this very moment. We stand in solidarity, in unprecedented unity. Our union and our sister unions and the unions around the world are standing by us. By the way, the nanny still looks really good. She looks good, yeah. Right? I saw her on TV all morning saying that. And Fran Drescher, she was a very good-looking woman. You know, she's actually been involved in real life in a horrific tragedy. She was living in New York City, and a guy broke into her house, and he raped her. It's a true story. And I've had Fran Drescher on the show, and she's actually talked about it. But where the story goes crazy is as if that's not bad enough that she was raped in her apartment in New York. Usually when a criminal rapes you, they move on to somebody else. They never come back. Her rapist came back a second time, twice by the same guy. I've never heard that in my whole life, that he actually raped her. And I guess he's a crazy guy, a sick bastard. He fell in love with her or something happened, and he came back again. Was he caught? He was caught, I believe, after okay, that, right. yes. That's good. Oh, my um, God. Uh, make, make sure, actually, Justin, see if he was caught. Yeah, but the same rapist came back twice. Fran Drescher, God bless her, beautiful wow. soul. What well, do you got there, Norm? What do you got for me? Okay, so I have to have a very defined way of how I put this into uh, chat GPT. So we want Fran Drescher, right. uh, Sid Rosenberg. Right. And what do we want this, the, the exact? Uh... Well, we want her to say that uh, the, the actor's strike the worst part is not that these actors are not going to get paid or can't promote their movies. The worst part is now they've crippled the young career of Sid Rosenberg. Okay. Yeah. That's all we care about here. You think we really care about Tom Cruise? No. Or Bradley Cooper? Now, there's my question, by the way, for you. Yeah. Here's, I'll be, I'm stupid in this. What? So this affects all the actors. As far as I know, I'm stupid too. I have no idea. So who is where? How do they? How are they getting paid? Studios pay them. Is that what's Uh, going? Studios pay them, but the studios, I guess, can't pay them now. Uh, Right. So, but I mean, don't forget, these guys make twenty million dollars a movie. They can afford to miss a couple of of years. Well, somebody like Tom Cruise easily can. But because Bob Iger spoke last night and said how sad this was, he's on the opposite side. He represents... The studio side. Yes. He wants to screw the actors. Well, yes. Can we get that audio, Bob Iger? He's saying that it's said, and the actors, the SEG, is acting, is is asking for too way much. too much. Right. They are, they're out of control. Well, I saw the five things on New York One they're basically asking for. I detailed three moments ago. Again, more minimum wage, more money on the residuals from streaming, Make sure they're protected from AI. Those are three of the five. But if we can get that Bob Iger stuff, that would be great, Lewis. All righty. Uh, Noam, were you able to do it? Yeah, uh, you know, chat GPT can be good, but it's having a hard time with it. All right. Well, we'll move on from that for now because we've got other major stories you do have to cover. John Kerry was uh, testifying yesterday on Capitol Hill. So John Kerry, who I think is the climate czar, I think that's his title, ridiculous. He's on the way to Beijing, Okay. And he's going to talk about climate issues. But John Kerry, this phony 
lying son of a bitch takes a private jet. John Kerry, on his way to talk about climate issues, takes a private jet and takes private jets everywhere. You know that John Kerry actually is a very wealthy guy, not only because of his own money, but his wife is the heiress for Heinz Ketchup. I know you know that, Doug. Because there was a yes. time, Lou, when John Kerry and Imus were getting pretty close. Regular. Yeah. He was, come on a lot. Came on a lot. Nice man. Very nice man. But a lying, but a lying sack, sack of ball cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's what John Kerry is. A lying sack of ball cheese. So he's uh, testifying yesterday on Capitol Hill. And they're like, you take private jets everywhere and listen to him flat out lie. I mean, he's got zero shame. He just lies. John Kerry Lewis, cut number one. I just don't agree with your facts, which began with the presentation of one of the most outrageously persistent lies that I hear. What? Which is this private jet. We don't own a private jet. I don't own a private jet. I personally have never owned a private jet. And obviously, it's pretty stupid to talk about coming in a private jet from the State Department up here. Just honestly, if that's where you want to go, go there. Wow. Just flat out lying. He may not own a private jet. I'm not sure exactly what the whole fight was. It's but his wife. It's his right, wife. It's he's been his on, wife's name. Right, so he's been on private jets his whole life. Who cares whether he owns it or not? He's been on private jets his whole political life. Then they ask him about uh, Xi Jinping in China, who's basically a dictator, and he refuses to say that. John Kerry Lewis, cut number three. Is three. he, in fact, effectively a dictator? Well, I'm not, you know, I don't think it's useful to get into, I don't, I'm not going to get into. Well said. But he does uh, wield the power of. He wields single. enormous power as the, as the leader of China. Absolutely. And, and everybody understands that. But I don't, you know, I, I, it doesn't. Do you, do you wish the president had used another word? No, I'm, I don't even, I just, frankly, all of that is, oh, good, like is water off the duck's back. And what? I don't think we ought to get tangled up. In you know labels, oh, you got to this on oh, Jesus Christ! Be- Come on, Kerry, get the damn point out. Then he's on MSNBC, and you know we're going to start providing these cluster bombs to the Ukraine. Right? Everybody agrees that we got to do that. I don't. I'm sick of the Ukraine Russia war. Let them handle it. Sorry, Zelensky. I would have been out of this a long time ago. We know this already. I fight with Peter King and others all the time. So Kerry's on MSNBC talking about the bombs in Ukraine and what that means to the climate issue. (laughs) John Kerry, cut number four. When you have bombs going off and you have damage to septic tanks or to power centers, etc., you have an enormous release of of greenhouse gas, of methane, of, you know, all of the family of greenhouse gases. And the result is it's adding... Uh, to the problem. I'm not, uh, you know, believe me, that's uh, the fight in Ukraine is a fight that we have to make, that the world has to make. The values at stake are enormously important to all of us. So I'm not suggesting by any fashion that that this is not a fight we shouldn't be involved in. But I am saying that there are ancillary impacts as a result of that. And and one of the largest is that with the loss of the gas that was coming into Europe from Russia, a lot of countries have had to either reopen coal or keep a, you know... So the other big story is this uh, this John Kerry. I mean, he's impossible to listen to. 
The fact that he ran for president one day is still amazing. It to is. Me. It's, he it's, got killed. He got killed, but it's just amazing. No, right? He owes charisma everywhere. Oh it's my the god! Problem. I'm so like right now. The climate is at a stage. Oh, gas and uh, God, I got gas too. By the way, yeah. John. Not to mention his face. Just, uh, meatballs like, last night at Rayo's. He's got like a droopy face syndrome. He has a very like, droopy oh, face. Yeah. Yes, yes. So the uh, the cocaine story is over too. Just so you know, folks. We've got all these issues. Right, we got this basically World War Three is moments away, literally moments away. The economy is still a mess. I know inflation has dropped, but still not enough, still 4%. You got a recession probably halfway down the block. Every major city in this country is experiencing a huge, not big, huge crime issue. Racism is an issue again in this country. It's a mess. Our country is a mess. 40,000 people a day at the border coming in bringing drugs, terrorists, bad people. And some dope dropped their bag of blow at the White House, and they're treating this like it's the biggest scandal in the history of this country. It is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And some of my own friends are doing it. Nancy Mace, she's become a great friend of mine. She's on the show every couple of weeks. Very smart congresswoman out of the great state of South Carolina. The Biden family is lying about it. What? what? How do we even connect this bag of cocaine to the Biden family? They're telling me that every single bag of cocaine in this country belongs to Hunter Biden? I mean, give me a break. I'm the first guy to savage Joe Biden. The first. He's the worst president of all time. He's a feckless pussy. But this cocaine bag is the most embarrassing story, and the fact that people in Washington, D.C. are talking about it is an absolute joke, including my friend Nancy Mace. Lewis, cut number 10. Answers because it just seems like any time we have any questions about any unsavory activity around the Bidens, no one, no one can provide an answer conclusively or not. Someone always ends up lying. Nancy Mace. You guys are laughing a lot in this first segment. No, I mean, the, the, the gumption you're bringing is really the best. Yeah, it's good. Well, we get big ratings for yeah, yeah, That's why. Yeah. All right, we got a lot of guests stopping by today. A <laughs> lot of big guests stopping by today. Anthony Weiner, you're going to be live in studio coming up at 645. Curtis Sliwa, 705. Joseph Takapita, 740. How about the great, great politician out of Louisiana, Steve Scalise, He'll be here at 8.05. My old friend, former Fox News, Geraldo Rivera. He'll be here at 8.40. Rachel, you could tell coming up at 9.30. Maybe Nicole Maliotakis as well. It's a monster Friday edition of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, sitting friends in the morning, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC.
This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. And I give up forever to touch you, 'cause I know that you feel me somehow. You're the closest to heaven that I'll ever be, and I don't wanna go home right now. And all I Taste is this moment, and all I can breathe is your light. And sooner or later it's over. I just don't want to miss you tonight. And I don't want the world to see me, 'cause I don't think that they'd understand. When everything's made to be broken. Some lady, uh, first let me get to my friend Lynn's text. Then we'll get to the treasure story. Lynn says it's important because I believe Hunter's sweetheart deal is contingent on his not abusing, breaking the law, drugs. If that coke is proven to be his, the whole deal is off, and he's going to jail. Well, how can you prove it's his? I mean, what do you do, a DNA test on a half a gram of Coke? I mean, it's so ridiculous. Right, and it's like a minute, God, it's like a little stupid. amount, too. It's oh, not like please. it was a big, big old bag of Coke. Beyond ridiculous, yeah. right. This is just, Sean Hannity needs something to talk about. So Linda Wallach checks in. She said, Sid, I believe Brand Drescher's rape and robbery took place in L.A., not New York. And uh, Linda's right. I did say New York City. It was California. But uh, Lewis... You never heard about this story before, and you seem yeah. disturbed by all this. Well, the, is it the same story as uh, her and a female friend were raped? Uh, the first time. Okay. Right? Well, that's what I see. They tied up the husband. Yeah, he was blindfolded. Yeah. The, the ex-husband. Yeah. Well, he's probably their husband at the time. Right. I guess is 1985. Brutal story. That was awful. Oh, terrible. Oh, my God. So last night, I did make my way to Rayo's. Thanks to my dear friend, Bo Deedle. I love Bo. And, of course, he's got the same Thursday table right outside the kitchen for about 40 years. We had a great crowd there last night. You could tell her producer, Kelly, David Yontif. He hosts, uh, is it called, Below the Red Velvet, the Red Velvet. So, some, it's like a entertainment red carpet show. He was there. All my guys on Nunzi and Col- the whole crew was there. And we had a great time. I mean, a great time at Rayo's last night. Ronnie and the crew, Tommy, all treated us so well. Every time I go there, it's a blast. And you got to go with Bo. I've gone one other time to Rayo's without Bo, and it wasn't nearly, wasn't even nearly the same feel. I mean, you got a crowded restaurant. Let's say you got twenty tables, and the whole place, Bo runs it. Paul runs the whole place, and he's got great stories all night about Rayo's, about East Harlem, about New York. Just a great time, man. They should just do a documentary on him. They really should. Well, they made the movie One Tough Cop. One Tough Cop, right. But they should do something even now because he's gone on to become this legend. He's like he's a New York legend. Yeah. 
He's hanging out at Rayo's with Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio on any given night, Thursday night, Thursday night, any given Thursday night, you walk in and he's sitting there with the biggest politician, the biggest entertainer, you name it, every Thursday. He has great stories, too. Great stories. Crazy stuff. Some he can tell, some he can't. Some he can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is on the clip of the day today? I don't have that piece of paper here, Justin. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I mean, I don't really care, but. They want me to do it, so I do it. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like you to do it. I, I hate promoting other shows. I hate it. God, I, I hate it. It's a waste of time. I can tell you in a second. <laughs> who is it? I, have it. I knew I was forgetting Rita something. Cosby, you know? Dominic Carter. Who is it? It's Rita Cosby. It's Rita Cosby. What is she? T- I love Rita, though. What yeah. is she talking about? Uh, She's talking about, <laughs> funnily enough, Hunter Biden. Cocaine? Yeah. Shoot me. I'm begging you. Here's Rita Cosby on a bag of coke in D.C. There is no reason that a judge, I think, should rubber stamp this plea deal for Hunter Biden, when there are so many serious allegations about the integrity of the justice system that's on the line. This is not about Hunter Biden. This is about American justice. And this just stinks right now. There are way too many facts that look fishy and look questionable, and it's time to get to the bottom of it. And there's no reason that this judge should just say, okay, let's just move forward with this plea deal without regards for all the testimony that seems awfully credible from all these very serious and well-regarded whistleblowers. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. <coughs> there you go. <laughs> Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. You got a Wimbledon update here to start things off. Women's finalists were decided yesterday. They'll consist of Czech Republic's Marketa Bundrusova and Tunisia's Anz Jabur. I don't know if the J is hard or soft, okay? So I'm going back and forth between Jabur and Jabur. That final will take place tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. The men's semifinals will get underway later this morning. Morning at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time between Yannick Sinner of Italy and Novak Djokovic out of Serbia. Later on at 10.30 a.m., it'll be Spain's uh, Carlos Alcaraz going up against Russia's Daniil Medvedev. And tonight, baseball returns for its second half as both the Mets and Yanks look to come out of the gate firing. The Yanks will send Carlos Rodon out there against Austin Gomber and the Rockies in Colorado tonight at 8.40 p.m. In the first of three against Colorado, the Bombers begin their second half eight games back in the division at 49 and 42 overall, which is one game back of Toronto for the final AO wildcard spot. As for the Mets, they open up at home against the L.A. Dodgers tonight at 7.10 p.m. Justin Verlander will get the ball going up against L.A.'s Julio Urias with the Mets currently 18 and a half games back in the division. It's seven games back of the final in a wild card spot. Great news for uh, the Jets fans to get to as well here, as previously uh, just mentioned, with Sid and Joe Nolan with Gang Green locking up all-pro defensive tackle Quinnen Williams with a four-year $96 million contract extension that includes $66 million guaranteed. It's the largest guarantee in franchise history, surpassing linebacker C.J. Mosley. $51 million as a free agent in 2019. Williams still just 25. He had one year remaining on his rookie contract. He's now signed through the 2027 season. So, Gang Green locks up the big man. Sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. To find a dealer near you, they're the world's best-built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. That sounds so good.
I was listening to, to um, some serious XM station with Danielle on Saturday. And they did like an hour straight of cake. And it reminded me how much I loved this band about 20 years ago. Not much as uh, you do, though, though. You actually saw these guys live in concert? Yep. I saw them. Very cool. Very good. Now, what year was that? Uh, uh, probably five, four or five years ago. Forest, oh, that, at oh, Forest really? Hills, yeah. Forest Hills? Yeah, with Ben Folds. How, can, uh, how good of a venue was that? It's a good venue. It's it's strange because it's in the middle of that neighborhood. Um, well, like Yellowstone Boulevard? Boulevard? Yeah, off Queens Boulevard. Barstow's yeah. Gardens. Yes. Oh, there you go. Yes. And it's the neighborhood is right there. And they used to have shows a long time ago in the 70s, 60s, right. 70s. Right. And then it stopped. And then they've just uh, they come back. Come back. All right. But there's a curfew, 10 o'clock. Everything, everything has to stop. Is that right? Yes. That's a city-imposed curfew? Yeah, uh, it is because I think of the uh, neighborhood itself. Well, we'll find I out. Believe, cause I believe. This guy uh, will know. This, uh, will know. The great Anthony Weiner, who, of course, is uh, on every Saturday. I have no idea what time. What Two o'clock. Two o'clock. Okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Anthony is uh, filled in last week for Murano and was really good, really good. And he's going to join me for a couple of minutes here. First of all, let's get the uncomfortable stuff out of the way early. Uh, next week, believe it or not, you may not even know this, but I do. Next week, believe it or not, is 10 years to the day since your second issue with your past. Um, have you thought about that? Is it uh, not just really. moved on? So here's the thing. By the way, when I, I, Dominic and I filled in for you while you were away for 4th of July. Yes. Thank nice, you for that. Nice sleepy time. I want to tell you, and, and I'm not just saying this to blow, blow smoke up you, but the spike that I saw on my weekend show, because a lot of people like, we had no idea this guy was even on, and then I filled in a few. I hadn't really thought about it much, but I went and I asked a few people when I was filling in for you and filling in for for uh, Murano, how much do I go back and revisit that? Because this is a new audience. A lot of people didn't know I was on the station. And almost universally, people said, if anyone brings it up, talk about it, but no one brings it up anymore. I, I to be honest with you, I think about it a lot because, you know, you and I both in recovery. We were trained to, like, the whole idea of never closing the door on your past and never coming to regret it, listen, it, it, it is what it is. It's part of my head, but it, it brought me to where I am today, and so I'm happy about that. And you're doing great today. It's nice of you to say. No, By the way, I'm asking you. I mean, oh, I, th- I think oh, you yeah. are. I mean, look, being here, being on radio is great for me. It's just the right amount of politics without it being an obsession. You know, I got an 11-year-old son, my relationship with Huma, we're not together, but it's amazing. My, my life is has, has gone on every day. You know, every day is a day I'm grateful for. Well, there you have it. So, Anthony. By the way, I tried to watch Graveson last night. You tried to? I, I get. I have Amazon Prime. I go on. They wanted money from me, Sid. Yeah, here's another guy. I mean, could you be, could you be more stereotypical as a Jew? You got to spend eleven dollars for ten hours of. Programming? Do you know how many services <laughs> I subscribe to and everything else? Un- unbelievable. I know it is. You're right, and and a lot of folks do complain, but I I, I will guarantee you this. If you go to the movies, let's say you take your kid to see Barbie. He's a boy. He won't want to see that. But you're going to spend a hundred bucks. Yes. You're going to get almost yes. 10 Spider- hours. Spider-Man was for, about a hundred dollar experience. Right, exactly. Yeah. So you're going to get for, for one tenth the price. I promise you, you're going to love it. All the Brooklyn, you love that stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is this is you. I mean, if I want to find out why Lewis had to go home at ten o'clock after a cake concert in Forest Hills, you'll know the answer. Why? What is the answer to that? 
Well, Forest Hills Gardens is a private community. It was it predated the city of New York. So they have their own rules, their own parking and everything else. Now, you know this. The U.S. Open used to be played there. The U.S. Tennis Open used right. to be played there. Right. But it is nothing like the modern arena. It is cheek to jowl with people's homes. And a matter of fact, most people, when they come there, they can't park anywhere close. They've got to go to the subway station along on the railroad or the, 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 the train on Continental and walk over there. So when they when they wanted to bring back concerts, they said the only way we'll let you do it is if you turn down the volume early and keep Riff Raff like Lou out of here. That's the only <laughs> way they said they would do it. <laughs> they tried. Yeah. So I saw you last week when you were leaving after filling in for Murano, and we got involved in a discussion. Uh, I'm a Rockaway Beach guy, Bell Harbor, you know, and it's a beautiful area. Amazing. Amazing, yes. But I got to ask Joanne Ariola. Are you friends with Joanne? Oh, yeah, we, we go back. We go way back. Okay, great. So uh, I believe one of the things she needs to do, before I say she's doing a good job, is clean up 116th Street, which is way too close to me. I mean, it's not right down the block. I'm not going to give away my address, but it's too close for me. It is littered with homeless, really crazy-looking folks. Well, they used to have a group home right there. It's, they I think still it's still do there, yeah. On the beach. So why is it you've got these gorgeous multi-million dollar homes six blocks away and 116 is still a hellhole? You know, here's the thing with Rockaway, and you know this, like, it is this combination of people who are like, we always get ignored down here in Rockaway, and other people say, don't tell us about anyone here, we don't want anyone, anyone coming down here. So 116th, it's the first subway stop that really, when you're on the that long train on the A train, and someone wants to come out there, I got to tell you, the other problem, and this is unpopular to say, that Flight 587 Memorial should not be there. Talk about the actual the that, tribute park? You no, know, the, the big memorial that's right on the beach. That should be, first of all, the plane crash did not happen there back in 2002, 2001. It was, two, it was two months after 9-11. Two months after 9-11. And it's right across the street from Harbor Lights. Right. That's on 131st Street. It's not on the beach. Oh, there may be a memorial no, the on the memorial beach. memorial that's it. So, but the look, plane crashed on 131. That's right, and on the Bayside. Right. The water, the engine fell into the Bayside, the fatalities that right. they had there. The only point I'm making is they've made 116th Street a little bit of a, of, a, uh, uh, of a magnet for folks who are just coming to visit, which is great. They have some beach shops and things like that. They do. The surf but shop. Yeah. So the problem on 116th Street is the same as the rest of the city. There are not enough cops down there because, you know, the, the 100th Precinct, they're, 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 that's not an action precinct. So they don't have a lot of cops down there. There's no cops there. They, well, Zero. Well, also also the cops they have in the beach, are at the, when during the summer, they're down by the beach. Keep an eye, making sure they're along the boardwalk and stuff like that. Look, this is probably boring for people who are not from Rockwood. But what I'll say is this, is that in a lot of ways what's going on in Rockaway is what goes on in the rest of the city. Right. You I need more that. cops and more mental health people. There you go. And, and you and I both have, you know, you have a close relationship than I do. I say to Eric Adams, you should do a three-part thing to make everyone happy. 500 more cops, 500 more correction officers, and 1,000 more mental health workers that walk around trying to get these people off the street. And there's not enough of them out there in Rockaway. It's funny you mentioned Eric Adams. So for about the last four or five weeks, I've not been very close with Eric. In fact, I'm one of those guys where I will compliment you today. But if you do something I deem not good, I'll kill you tomorrow. And I spent the better part of four or five weeks killing Eric Adams, even doing comedy bits on the show about yeah. him. So all of a sudden, Anthony, unprovoked, yesterday morning after the show, swear to God, I get a text from Eric. He goes, I don't know what's got you all riled up, but I'm the same guy you had dinner with two months ago. I'm the same Eric. And I don't want to get into it over text that he called that lady a plantation owner, a Holocaust survivor. There were four or five different things that really bothered me. I said, do me a favor. Let's just meet face-to-face. So it looks like there's going to be a sit-down 
like the old mob style, with me and the mayor coming up next week. Well, that's great. I go, you know, when I was on with with um, with Dominic for you, I reached out to the mayor. Said, this would be great for me if I get." And he said, "Sure, sure, sure. Talk to my people." It got back to me that the answer was no because they didn't want to do anything. If they were going to come on, they wanted to come on with you. They did say that. If they were going to be, side, right? yeah, not yeah. him. He, right. you know, he says yes, 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 now, yes. Fabian Levy, Fabian, maybe, right, right. right. So right. I think it's sincere. Look, here's the thing: is is the mayor is this weird combination of acting in public like he doesn't give a darn, and then secretly being very. He really gets to him when he's criticized. He's yes, a fairly he thin skin yes, he guy. Does. He said to me yesterday in one of the texts. He goes. You know, you're criticizing me. He goes, but the truth is, we're the same person. And I said, we are similar. I said, I'll take it a step further. You're not going to want to hear this. So is Donald Trump. Donald Trump acts as if he doesn't care. He gets crazy. Donald Trump is the guy. Eric Adams is the guy. I said, you don't want to hear this, Mr. Mayor, but you are a lot like Trump. And he sent me back kind of the giggling emoji. Yeah. Like he didn't argue with me. But he's also, look, he sees himself as being this coalition candidate between the right and the and the, the, the right version of the Democratic Party, which doesn't exist. So you're kind of a barometer for him. If he's losing you, because he's losing the left. So if he's losing you, he knows he has a real problem. So, you know. So what does he do? I mean, you got to, you know this, Anthony. Yesterday, the Post printed an article, 70%, 70% of New Yorkers don't feel safe. Even that low-life piece of garbage, you may like him, I don't care, the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, he admitted he's nervous, gets a pit in his stomach when his family goes on the train. So what does Eric Adams do moving forward? Well, I th- look, it, it is always, it's a lag time between the time that crime starts to improve and the time you get any credit for it. It didn't happen very quickly under Rudy either. You know, for, for two years into Rudy's administration, we, we have this notion that it was a light switch that went off. Two years into the administration, there were still stories about do something, Rudy, here, do something. So it's going to take a little bit of a lag time. The problem is that he has to, the mayor, in my opinion, I don't want to psychoanalyze him, he has to lose a little bit of this idea that simply because the numbers are down 15 or 20 percent means the whole world wakes up in the morning and says, oh, that's all solved. And so he's got to kind of understand that he can't take it so so personally um, you know, I think he, he has shown signs the last few weeks of being very prickly, like he's getting yes. ticked off at the very world. Very sensitive, here. yes. Yeah. Can't be like that. Yeah, I agree. Not when you're the mayor. So outside of the crime, Anthony Weiner, if you were in public office today, and you were a great politician, if you were in public office today, what are the two or three things that are really major issues outside of crime that you'd have to battle here in New York. Well, look, the, the 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 fundamental problem that we have, I think, in New York is bringing people back, bringing people back to work and everything else. I think if you had a campaign proposal, if you had a, a platform of saying, I'm going to reduce taxes on the middle class, I'm going to eliminate, ten, you know, like take 10 percent of all the government programs. Everyone knows that if you made a whole list of government programs, there are going to be some at the bottom that don't work so well. Say, I'm going to have press conferences eliminating some bad stuff also, not just ribbon cutting to, for, for new things. But also, I would start to push some of these issues that put the left on, on the deck. If they say no to cops and no to correction officers, how are you going to fix up Rikers? How are you going to get to crime? And so I would say, well, put in your mental health workers as well. The problem that Eric Adams has is he has a, he has a city council that's crazier than any time that I served, any time that Rudy served. They are out there. They don't care about getting stuff done. They just want to be oppositional. And I think he should have those fights. I think those fights will show who he is. Well, that really came to the fruition yesterday because I believe it's the first time since Bloomberg that Adrian Adams and the council vetoed 
something the mayor put forth about three weeks ago on that housing plan. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, the housing plan is too obscure for people to understand. I, I, I said, including to, me. I, I, said, <laughs> I said to him, I early on my proposal, do a Rudy thing of uh, uh, and a Dave Dinkins thing of saying, let's hire more cops and let let the let there be a freak out, but also say, I'm going to put correction officers. You're concerned about people on Rikers Island. So am I. I'm going to put more correction officers and some mental health workers that go out. Cops shouldn't be doing that. You should have mental health workers strolling the streets trying to get, you know, a grand total of one guy got taken off the street by the cops because the cops said, this isn't what I do. I didn't right. have to sign up for this. Right. So those types of things, I mean, you got to make, he's, he's having the wrong kinds of fights. I mean, fighting old ladies at town hall meetings. No, he should be fighting Adrian Adams and AOS. Yeah, like, fight yeah, these guys. Yeah. Show who he is to the rest of us who are like, yeah, I kind of agree with him on this issue. This is uh, Anthony Weiner on Saturdays at two o'clock and three o'clock, right? At three o'clock, I come on with uh, with Curtis, right? Right. And you guys do the whole right versus left thing, even though Curtis is not very right. But that does bring me to this: you promote yourself as the guy in the middle. I am. No, you're not. You're, you're definitely to the left. By but that's today's fine. definition. Yes. Well, you're not a c- complete wacky progressive. Yes. And I'm not killing you for that. I don't care. But you're not in the middle. I have a lot of friends who are Democrats that propose. I'm in the middle. No, you're not. So with that said, Joe Biden, Anthony Weiner, doing a good job, horrible job. Joe Biden, in your estimation. Doing a good job on the economy, doing a great job oh, holding it. Stop right there. What, this you're is why you're not in the middle. You don't stop wanna, it right there. You don't want to have a conversation. You Anthony, just wanna... hold on. You made a point that is absolutely ridiculous. What's, what's the, inflation the inflation rate today? 4%. 3%. That's too high. Down, down That's to too high. Of course, That's but it was high. 9 when he came in. Oh, stop it. So Donald Trump had this country humming. Yeah, the Chinese delivered this goddamn virus. I don't hear what about when he came in. All this right. country was doing great. Country- this guy, you got inflation through the roof. Nobody who's wants to buy a house jobs? anymore. Who's, Look at, no, no, he didn't create any more jobs. Hold on. Biden or Trump? He did not create any jobs. What's happening is people lost their jobs over COVID. Now those jobs are coming back. That's not creating no, jobs. No, you, 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 That's blame a lie. Him. you blame him for 8% inflation, yes, but you don't give him yes. credit for 3%. And I'm also blaming him because the interest rates are going through the roof. You can't got a damn loan from a bank anymore. I understand, but that's how you tackle inflation. But in- oh, inflation no, you don't is, have to do inflation that. Is, oh, how would you do it then, Mr. Fed? Well, what official? am I, Paul Volcker? No, I'm telling you. Well, this I'm is the telling way you don't have to. I speak, is- to. I speak to Larry Kudlow. I speak to very bright economic people. He's destroying the country. Larry Kudlow is a Trump shill. Oh, I am not. I'm a truth sayer. I'm saying truth oh, you're to you not, on your You're air. a Democrat shill. I mean, you're, you 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 propose yourself differently, but you're a, you're a Democrat. You no, know, if you're going to blame him for nine percent inflation, you got to give him credit for three percent inflation. No, I'm not. Oh, you didn't blame? Him? Oh, if, if eventually I, it was going to come. You keep raising interest rates you till you strangle everybody, so you got the damn number. I down. remember, I remember listening to your show a year and a half ago, saying this guy's killing our economy with with twelve dollar egg uh, baskets of eggs. It's true. Well, now it's not. So does he get credit? No, because he had it. He right. strangled. He strangled another industry. It's kind of like giving Obama credit for saving the car industry when he had to borrow nineteen gazillion dollars. Well, yeah, because he had to, he had to bail out Bush oh, once again. God, the God, it always goes back to a Republican has to be bailed out. Well, listen, you you said you want me to give you a Democratic position. That's what I'm giving you. I don't know, Anthony. I just don't know. <laughs> 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 what is the biggest issue? Nice job there, by the way. What is the if uh, Chris Hahn did this with you, he'd still be on the damn station. What is the biggest issue nationally right now? Oh, finding out who left that that coke in the White House. I mean, Anthony, the biggest how issue. ridiculous is that? It's seriously. pretty crazy. But See, I'm uh, on your side with this. Uh, I mean, look, I, I I just think just find out who did it. I don't know. It wasn't Joe Biden. It wasn't Hunter Biden. Whatever it is, but someone. But who cares? 
Thousands of people go through there. Some guy dropped a bag of dope. You got you I got forty thousand people at the border today, and ten of those guys want to want to bring fentanyl to crazy. the country. It's a little bit crazy, but I don't I don't mind people making look. These these are day day long issues. We're not going to remember them in a, few, in a few days. I think it is pretty funny. You have a a, uh, a Hunter Biden who is an admitted drug addict. By the way, you know what I think the outrageous thing is, and I know this is not popular with my peeps. I don't like the way Joe Biden keeps saying he has six grandkids when we now know as a fact he has a seventh. Right. If you're going to be the grandfather to the country, in my podcast, I do about it. If you're going to be the grandfather for the country, I'm not saying you have to do anything, but you can't give speeches to kids yeah. saying, I've got six grandkids. I call them every day when you know you have another. And one. how about people like Jay Tapper saying, well, I kind of get it because the lady you had the baby with hangs out with people on the right or the view, those hags, Joy Behar going, well, you know, what do you want? They're almost offending him. No, I'm not saying that he has to go to go be their best friend or hang a stocking in the White House. But don't say the fact I have six grandkids. You don't think you should hang a stocking at least? I'm not saying pay for the I kid's education. I, I don't Anthony, know. Anthony, he's his grandson. I understand that. But the f- one thing you can't do is lie. Ask the left. Granddaughter's here. Ask, ask the left. If Donald Trump got on the stump one day and said, I only had... Don- I, Donald Trump wouldn't do that no, because he's saying, a great father. No, but I'm he's saying... He's a great father. Okay. And his kids are good kids, not the Jarrett's. Right. No, no. I, let, me, let me give you yeah. the example. If he yeah. got on, on the stump and said, I, I was only married twice. I'm right. a family values guy. I was only married twice. Yeah. And we know that that's factually not true. We kill him. Right. Kill him for it. So I'm not saying Joe Biden has any other obligation except to stop saying the words, I have six grandkids. That's fair. All right. So now what do you do the rest of today? I'm just curious. I, I, I do my my um, my Sid Rosenberg workout, <laughs> yeah. which is four hours in the gym. You look great. Three of those hours looking at my phone to see if anyone's saying anything about me. <laughs> and then and, and, and then well, I go this, on. This, and, does that bother you <laughs> if people say nasty stuff about you? Like, you'll do the interview with me. You just did it. You were great. You were great. People are going to go, hey, that was really good. People are going to go, that effing Anthony Weiner, what a low life. Does, this stuff, does it bother no, you No, because, because that's my... my if this station is going to be serious about having both views on, and I know John and Margo are serious about that, you can't just have the, you know, you can't have guys who are lily liver just hanging around and whatever. You got to be able to speak up. But I also, since I'm not running for anything anymore, I don't mind being critical of Eric Adams. I don't mind being critical if I think he deserves it of Joe Biden or Hunter Biden and these other things. So the answer is no. And by the way, you probably know this. People are snarky online. People are snarky behind your back. Oh, yeah. People are nice in person. All the time. All the time. They're losers. They're cowards. They will write something nasty about you, and 30 minutes later, hey, babe, great to meet you. Yeah, I mean, ha- I, it pe- happens every day. And also, there yeah. is this, I know it's kind of a cliche, there is a silent majority of people out there who are decent people. Of course. You know, they listen to the show. They might disagree with you or agree with you, but they know, you know, they get they get a sense of you. And the same thing with with me and politics. They're not the silent majority. They're the overwhelming majority. Yeah, no, that's true. It's like 98% of the people. You have 2% that are loudmouths. They think they run the show. They don't. So here's your last opportunity after a, a terrific conversation. I want you to do what Dove Hyken did on this show yesterday. You like Dove Hyken? I do. Okay. You know what he did yesterday? I didn't hear it. Okay. Dove Hyken on this show yesterday officially, officially announced he is no longer a Democrat. He is so sick of this awful party that after 60-something years, as of yesterday, Dove Hyken will now register as a Republican. So I want you to do the same here's thing. Here's what I will say. There yeah. is nothing, no job, no thing, <laughs> nothing that a Republican can do better than a Democrat. Nothing. Are you serious? I would chew this arm off before I ever vote Are Republican. you serious? Don't make me go who's 100%. better. Don't make me go who's better in bed. Uh, we know Rosenberg. <laughs> a couple of fifty-something-year-old Jewish guys. How old do you know? 
I'm going to be 59 in September. Oh, you're older than me. Okay. Yeah. We do yeah. look great. Well, that was fun. Thank you very much for coming in. Thanks for having me on. I really uh, appreciate it. And keep coming back. And I know you're doing great on Thank the weekend. Appreciate so congratulations. It. Thank you. There he is, Anthony Weiner, 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon, and then 3 o'clock alongside Curtis Sliwa. That wraps up a very cool hour number one. Lots more to do, folks. Some more cake on a Friday morning. I want a girl with a mind like a diamond. I want a girl who knows what's best. I want a girl with shoes that cut and uh, eyes that burn like cigarettes. I want a girl with the right allocations who is fast and thorough and sharp as a tack. She's playing with her jewelry. She's putting up her hair. She's touring the facility. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I've got a song, I ain't got no melody. I'm gonna sing it to my friends. I'm to come this morning. Joe Tacopina, Nicole Maliotakis, Steve Scalise, Geraldo Rivera, Rachel Yucatel, and more. Again, the breaking news. First of all, a great conversation with me and Anthony Weiner. If you missed it, I really recommend you go back and listen. It was that good. We've covered a lot this morning already. The Hollywood strike affecting me and my red carpet premiere in Los Angeles, at least for now, my trip has been canceled. But here's a big local story. A suspect has been arrested over the notorious Gilgo Beach murders. This guy killed up to 10 women on Long Island. Multiple sources confirmed the arrest to News 12 who said that First Avenue in Massapequa Park was just flooded with police, state, and Suffolk County police, both at the scene. They did not confirm the arrest. We have no idea the identity of the person. But what's funny is, is I called my friend Ann Donnelly at 7.08, seven minutes ago. I woke her up. Ann Donnelly is the DA in Nassau County. And I'm like... And could you come on for five minutes? Because I got them all on. I got Pat Ryder, the police commissioner. I got Bruce Blakeman, the Nassau County executive, Pete King. They're all my people. I own Nassau County. She goes, Sid, that's not my county. I'm like, oops, go back to bed. And hung up. I just got <laughs> off the phone with uh, Tierney. Oh, Ray Tierney, my other yeah. guy. And uh, he, so he can't speak on it because the case is still sealed. Okay. So they'll go through that later today, and then he can speak on it. Okay. So probably early next week. Okay. What do you know about this, uh, Curtis? Uh, I can speak on it. Yes, he can. By the way, Curtis, huge ratings, noon to one every weekday, overnights all weekend long, does his best work right here about 7.10 every weekday morning. He's the icon. He's a legend, all-time great, Curtis Lee. Okay, Let's get Curtis. right down to it. Suffolk County, right, uh, out in the Mauritius, Gilgo Beach. It started with the Gilgo Four. Uh, these ladies were found a quarter mile uh, apart from one another. Are these hookers or these? Yeah, the Craigslist. Uh, thought, they were sex they workers right. on Craigslist. Right. Now, right. you said 10. It could be as many as 18. They were found along the South Shore, the three ocean beaches right off Ocean Parkway. 
and they basically hit a brick wall. They were going nowhere. They put together a massive task force, uh, FBI, New York State Police, Suffolk County, Nassau County, the whole nine yards. And if I'm correct here, they haven't found a body. You have to date all the way back to nearly Christmas 13 years ago. That's right. Uh, but it was all along. Frank Morano's done an excellent job overnight on this particular case. But uh, hopefully they bagged and tagged him. They arrested Frank Morano? Uh, no. Oh, okay. But he covered it. <laughs> He's actually done well, some maybe, really good would reporting you, would on you it. be shocked if it was Frank Morano? Uh, yes. <laughs> Are you kidding? That guy was talking the other morning about being lonely. It's <laughs> Oh, Those my are the guys. God. Those you're, are the ones. You know, Curtis. you have your first baby, then you're very lonely afterwards. You know that. Uh, do I Do I have to tell you that? Yeah, there are guys yeah, right. listening out there saying, yeah, he's absolutely right. First baby, it's over. That urge to merge. It's, I got to take care of the, the baby now, yeah. Sid. Yeah. But anyway, uh, this would be great news to finally bag and tag a guy. Now, this is not far from where our own Brian Kilmeade lives. No, so he lives well, out in Matzo Pizza. Right. Right, so there's Matza Pizza Park there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But all right, so we'll put that aside because nobody wants to talk about By it. Hush, way, hush, well, much, one much. more, talking about Matza Pequa. When I was uh, young and single before my gorgeous wife, Danielle, I met a teacher. And she lived in Massapequa by the old Busy Bee Flea Market. Remember that place? Oh, yeah. Busy Bee. <laughs> yeah. So, and she was easy. So, at like 4 o'clock in the morning, I'd be all coked up and drunk. And uh, driving on that, that the winding highway, the, uh, the Sunrise, what is it called? The Sunrise, sunrise Highway. Yeah. It's got all circles and winding. I almost died about 50 times. And then eventually, one day, I decided... The sex was great. She was easy, but I'm not making this trip anymore. I would have been arrested 50 times if it was this year. Yeah, but, but of there, course, 30 it, years ago, they didn't care. You know, there have been so many serial killers out in uh, Long Island, right? <laughs> talk show hosts and serial killers. Think of it. How many talk show hosts, right? You have our own O'Reilly, Brian Kilmeade, Sean Hannity, right? Sure. How many serial killers have come from, uh, from Long Island, both Nassau and Suffolk? But anyway... Let's get back on track. SAG-AFTRA, this, you, you, you took uh, personally that they canceled the uh, red carpet uh, entry for, uh, they changed the name. Yes, it's now called Inside Man instead of Gemini Lounge. Wait, but that's that's the one that me and Bo were tangling over. <laughs> but now we made up over that. But let me tell you something. If Fran Drescher, who is rough, she beat Matthew Moudin. To become the SAG after president. Oh, is that who she had to be? She she killed him. Oh, I like and Matthew Modine. He was very good in the movie Vision Quest. Oh, he was also in Full Metal, Full Metal Jacket. Jacket. Right, right. right. Yeah, but he he could not. You know, French. He's tough. She went to Hillcrest High School. I think at the same time, everybody loves Ray. Everybody loves Ray. Ray Romano Raymond, went yeah, there. Yeah. But she was tough. You talked about her being raped. You were absolutely correct with a friend. Uh, which her, her husband was forced to watch. Yeah, the guy geez. was out on parole, then uh. they sent him back to prison. Then she she ended up having a divorce. Her husband said, I'm gay, right. uh, but they remained friends. But then, he, then he tried to rape her again, the same guy. No, 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 no. no. I, I I think it was one time, one time only. Oh, you sure about that? Absolutely. Okay. As I remember, it's like Connie Francis out of Old Westbury. Uh, and it's amazing because I'm thinking about Connie Francis who's the greatest female singer in 1960, on the very day that Ronald Reagan, president of SAG-AFTRA, was walking on the picket line with Marilyn Monroe against the big movie moguls. 
And she got raped in Old Westbury at that Howard Johnson. Oh, I remember that. Yes. Horrible. Yes. Horrible. Terrible. A friend was also in Saturday Night Fever. You remember That's that? That's right. Oh, she, my God. A lot of people confused her with the fat girl who said, I love to watch you dance, no, Tony. No, no, no. The, the line was, so are you as good in bed yes. as you are on the dance floor? Hey, Remember, come on. That was that's how she broke in. Oh, you're the best. It was so good. So good. She is tough. You know, she was going to replace Hillary Rodham Clinton. They wanted her to replace her in 2008 when Hillary went on to become Secretary of State for Barack Obama. But then, uh, who did it? Gillibrand, whatever, whatever. But they wanted her to replace hardcore Democrat. I didn't know that. Then she supported the Green Party. Man, she is a tough radical. So when she says solidarity forever, <laughs> workers of the world unite, which yeah. is the old commie slogan. <laughs> yeah. If Fran Dretcher calls us out because we're SAG after, and remember, Lou, they could program artificial intelligence right into your board there, and that's it for you. What are you going to do if Frank calls us up? <laughs> A fellow New Yorker, there's nobody more in New York than Fran Dreschner, says, boys, you got to join us on the picket line. And then if you say no and you want to be a scab, Chaz Palminteri shows up <laughs> with a baseball bat. Because, you know, all your friends there are saying after. Oh, my God. What the hell would you do, Sid? Would I, you I, scab it? I would scab it, yes. Are you crazy? Well, I, I got to do what I got to do. They could replace you in a heartbeat. Did you see what Gnome Lady <laughs> no, no, did no, yesterday? No, no. Nobody can replace me. Oh, Nobody. no, no. Let me no, tell no, you no, something. No, 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 Artificial no, no. intelligence can replace you. Can't replace me because I have no intelligence. <laughs> so, I mean, people say, oh, that guy, well, this guy, he's like a street urchin. What the hell? But, Sid. Okay. If Fran right, Drescher right. calls us out, and in. A, a, remember, first it was the writers, yes, then the actors and right. actresses. Right. What happens if she says, in solidarity, radio people, you're all part of the same union, SAG-AFTRA. Yes. You're going to cross the freaking line no, to be a scab? No, I'm not going to do it. No, you just poked me into it. I mean, it. think I'm of it. I'm think of the guys who would be there with baseball bats <laughs> waiting for you. Not only Chaz Palminteri, <laughs> maybe yeah. the scariest man alive. Christopher Walken? No, Hell's Angel. Oh, Chuck Zito. Damn oh, right. Oh, my boy. So what would you do if Chuck said, uh, Sid, you can't cross the line? Listen to me carefully. If Chuck said, give me oral right now, <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> hey, look, I went on strike one time. I was part of the uh, UFCW local 1500 supermarket workers when I had just uh, left high school because I was a high school dropout. I was a key man. And I remember how rough it got, man. All of a sudden, there'd be thugs there, you know, trying to break up the strike. I'm telling you. I'm in. I'm in. I'm with them. Zid. Solidarity. You do not want to cross Chuck Zito and Chaz Palminteri. Well, I'll tell you, that is a great transition for the final couple of minutes. I don't want to cross, you're right, Chuck Zito, very funny, Curtis, and Chaz Palminteri. But seemingly, I've crossed the mayor. And I don't want to get uh, too particular or too uh, detailed. But I did receive, as you know, a message from Mayor Eric Adams right after the show yesterday. And he seemed a bit perplexed as to why the last four or five weeks I've gone sideways on him. And I refused on text to get into it. He did. He sent me four or five things that he thinks I'm upset about. I said, listen, Mr. Mayor, I don't want to get into specific details on text. We need to sit down. So I'm in Rayo's last night, talking about a sit-down, with Bo Deedle. Joe Esposito walks in, the former chief of police, and I text Eric, and I say, Mr. Mayor, here's the deal. At the place you want, you could place a gun in the bathroom before, me, you, Bo, and Joe Esposito are going to sit down, 
and we're going to explain to you why you're losing everybody. People on the left, people on the right. Your intentions may be good, but you're losing everybody. Sid, Sid, don't be such a schmuck, such a putz. <laughs> They've done the analytics. They do these spot uh, tests of different groups. And so they've looked at the white ethnic population, which he's totally bottomed out, especially with Jews now, right? Jews would vote for Adolf Hitler if he were a Democrat, right? It's true. It's true. There's no doubt. Oh, Democrat. They never go totally in on the Republicans, except for the Orthodox of late when it comes to Trump. But other than that, they look at analytics. They're down with the black support. Uh, because all of a sudden blacks are saying, you're taking better care of the illegal aliens. You know, the fruits of victory are for those that elected you. The brothers and sisters elected you, which is true. When Rudy got elected, who did he take care of first? The white ethnics, the folks in Staten Island who propelled him the victory. Bloomberg took care of the rich. And yet de Blasio took care of nobody other than smoking Maui Waui and Hindu Kush with that crook Charlene on the back porch of Gracie Mansion. But they're looking at the analytics. They're losing the black vote. They're losing the white ethnic vote. They're saying the hipsters and millennials won't vote for us because they love AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the socialists. And by golly, if we don't, if we don't stop the drop in the popularity polls, we're not going to get reelected. They're raising millions of dollars. Your friend, Frank Caron, he's getting one tiny pocket yes. line. Yes. Doesn't matter. Yeah. You can have all the money in the world. His popularity uh, numbers are dropping like a rock. So they look around and say, oh, my God. Sid, we got to convert Sid Rosenberg. And they know how to do that with you. They're going to stroke you like a peacock. <laughs> I heard Joe Esposito, he started the other day. Oh, uh, yeah, he, I talked to God. Yeah, Joe, what are you smoking out there in the Rockways? I know you've recovered from oh, a God. horrific, uh, traumatic operation. You would have been dead. God bless God that he kept you alive. <laughs> but don't tell us that God talks to you and God talks to Eric oh, Adams. Because I deal with people like that every day in the streets, in the parks, in the subways. They're called schizophrenic. They tell me, Curtis, yeah, I had a, a conversation with God last night. You can't call my friend Joe Esposito a schizophrenic. Well, if he if he talks to God, he is. He, remember, didn't he try to soften you up? Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, there are people who talk to God. Yeah, A.R. Bernard enabled him, right? Oh, yeah. He was sent by God. Let me tell you something. This guy is in a free fall. He's acting but, okay, crazy. But, but, but why does he think I can? I mean, uh, listen, I, I believe I'm humbled Trust me when I tell you, I'm, it's surreal that people in this city need me. They do need me. What, for whatever it is, why does Eric Adams think that I could be the guy to well, save Well, this him? is what you do. This is what you do. And I told you this before when, uh, God bless him, Bernard McGurk was alive, and he would come on with you, by my favorite morning show. Meantime, he's telling the same thing to Charlemagne no, the God no, of Power 105. You know what he told Funkmaster Flex the other day on Hot 97 WPLS? He said, my favorite station, no, 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 my no, no, favorite host. No. I got the evidence. These are lies. Because he tells that to you. No, he no, knows he can no, stroke no. There's you. There's no way he told me and Funkmaster what? Flex. Yeah. There's no Hot 97. What's the matter? Where are you? You don't know anything about the brothers and sisters. Let me tell you, this guy knows how to play white people like suckers. He called white people Joe Esposito. He called you crackers. I kicked your ass for 22 years in the police department. What kind of a man are you that you get called a cracker? That's like an N-word for a black person. And then all of a sudden, well, he really didn't mean it. He's really nice. God talks to him. Hey, let me tell you something, Sid. 
They know how to play you like a Dunkin' Yo-Yo, like when we were kids. Walk the door, <laughs> put the uh, Dunkin' Yo-Yo to sleep, right? Hey, they know, stroke the peacock. When you said, eh, when he said, we're like, we're the same. Of course, you're fashionistas. You're staring at yourself in the mirror each day. The last time you saw me, Gracie Mansion, you looked at his suit. It was like all of a sudden you were having premature ejaculation. Oh, my God. I love that suit. And then he looked at you and he goes, hey, you want to jump in the hot tub with Anthony Caron there out in the Rockaways? Come on. This is homoerotic love. Sid, don't fall into that honey trap. They're going to set you up, Joe Esposito. I talked to God. I saw God when they were operating on me. Jesus Christ came down and said to me, I'm going to save your life. Sure. What are you doing, shrooms, LSD, ecstasy? Anyone else we would say, that person is crazy. But they know without you, Sid, they're going to be unemployed. He's going to have to get a job hanging wallpaper or become one of those holy rollers, maybe an adjunct reverend. To Al Slim J.D. Sharpton with his very dear friend who threw him under the bus, Alvin Bragg. He needs you, you McWhitey-Whitey. He needs crackers now more than ever before. Friends in the morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. So I got to tell you, Anthony Weiner was very, very good. He really was. It's a nice little back and forth with me and Anthony. Trying to tell me he's in the middle. I mean, you can. I mean, I mean, you can put a whole big pile of brown stuff in front of me and tell me that's cadaver chocolate, but it's <laughs> well, dirty. I, I thought your head was going to explode when uh, he said uh, Biden's doing a good job with the economy. Well, you know, I almost killed him. <laughs> yeah, he almost, almost lunged across the table. But it was it was actually it was a good conversation because it was smart and fun. I don't like these right versus left shows. I did a couple uh, because there's too much yelling. I don't like yelling, guys. I know it sounds nuts because every now and then I I do yell. Sometimes it's part of the script. Sometimes it's not. When Curtis does it, I like it. When Bo does it, I like it. But I'm not a yeller, and people don't really want to hear yelling early in the morning. So. <laughs> Like, for example, I remember when Bernie and Christopher Hahn did the light versus left versus right. They just yelled at each other. I couldn't even understand what the hell they were saying. So I did it once with Tom Arnold, the actor, and we're friends, so we didn't really yell. And me and Anthony Weiner, he was on for about 13 minutes, and, you know, we yelled for maybe three. And even when we were yelling, it was it was audible. You know what we were talking about. But... um and he's smart. He's a very, very smart guy. Well, let's, let's be honest. He'll always be yeah. able to debate anybody. Right, right. That's, that's it's a shame sure. because he would have been a great politician. Well, kidding. 
Great politician. No kidding. Thanks uh, for these two idiots that we've got for the I last know, 12 years. I know. But, and, I, and I brought it up with him because only I would do that, which is next week is literally the 10-year, I'm not sure anniversary is the right word, but 10 years since he got busted for the second time doing that same thing. And a lot of people hate him. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of gross. I don't know what i tell you. You know, Craig Carton took money. I can live with that. What he did was worse. But, but, if we're talking specifically about his skills and his mind, he's good. So we had a good conversation back and forth. But don't tell me you're in the middle. I mean, that is ridiculous. He's as left as him. Now, he does criticize Adams. So what? I mean, look, I criticize Trump. I'm not in the middle. I'm a Republican. I have disdain for Democrats. I hate Democrats. Hate them. My own family that are Democrats. I can barely talk to them. I love John Katsimatidis like my own father. He texted me two seconds ago. He says common sense Democrats, I want to jump out the building. They don't exist. There's like two of them in the whole world. Governor Patterson is on with John all the time. He's close. He's close. But he's still a Democrat because they will eventually, eventually show the horns. Then it's ugly. It's ugly. Common. We thought Manchin was. No. We thought Eric Adams was. No. Because it can't be that way. Because that's not the way the world is today. You're either on one side or the other. You're either with us or against us. Kathy Hochul, a common sense Democrat? Are you nuts? So Anthony's not middle. He's a Democrat. He's a left. He's, a, he's as left as Sandy Kopax. Wow. I know. That was really yeah, good. I got it. God, I'm a genius. I really, Seriously. Imagine, I really am. Imagine with more sleep. But I know. I didn't sleep at all. Literally like three hours. But, um, you know, he criticizes Adams once, and now I'm in the middle. <laughs> what do you think? I'm stupid? I just said I'm a genius. Where's that? Left or right genius? Yeah. That's, that's... Oh, that's to the right. Although I got to tell you, that's in a field of its own. Well, well, Anthony Weiner is a is probably smarter. I'll give him credit. He's probably smarter than almost everybody here. Everybody, even John, and John's worth four billion dollars. I'm not even sure John has the brain that Anthony's got. Anthony is legitimately incredibly bright. Well, he's smarter than all the people in office. But he's not that smart because he did the same crime twice. (laughs) Right, stupid bastard. Uh, How smart could you be? If you're all that smart, you wouldn't get arrested twice for the same, uh, you know, gross crime. So he's not that smart. Fool me once. Mm -hmm. But he's definitely smarter than Alec, I'll tell you that. Oh, 100%. question about that. I do the same thing twice all the time. They they were just saying goodbye to each other in the hall, and Anthony (laughs) beat him in that conversation. I mean, I make make the same mistake over and over and over and over and over again. We show up for work every day. Yeah. (laughs) So so he was really good, and then Curtis is always amazing. We covered the Gilgo Park murders. I called Ann Donnelly, woke her up. She's not even the right right DA. That's Suffolk County. Yeah. But then Ray Tuney told us. There's nothing we can do about this. He, he he's done it. There's nothing to talk about. It's a it's a murder mystery. Thirteen years since they found the last dead woman. Maybe as many as twenty women. I, I don't know. And uh maybe it's solved, maybe it's not. They did arrest somebody. That's all we've got. So I don't know what else to do here. So we're gonna move on from it. Because there's like ninety other major stories, including canceling my red carpet premiere, which is a much bigger story than the Gilgo murders. Oh, it's well, yeah, top. I mean, anything that happened. Come on, fifteen years ago. Right, it's like Fran Drescher is talking about me. 
Well, no, she's not. She's not? No. Oh. I thought I heard a version where she said, and what about Sid? <laughs> right. I thought That's so, the too. part we cut off of the clip. Uh, we got to take a break. We got, we got to talk to Joe Nolan. It's very important. And then uh, Nicole Maliotakis is going to come on. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. You know, my phone, for some reason, it's a piece of crap phone anyway. I bought it years ago, and I broke my old phone. So I went to some T-Mobile store, and I bought this phone. And so when I stick the charger in, it doesn't charge. So I had to buy one of these chargers that you, you know, put on the phone, an exterior charger. And that works all the time. But I got up late this morning. I got up at 448. Got to the office at 535. You wouldn't know it because the show's so good, but. <laughs> well, I knew it. That so was, good. That was a fun text to get. Uh, right. Uh. So, so, long story short, I left, I left my charger at home and I'm sticking this, um, I'm sticking the thing in the hole. Yeah, I got what? it. Ha ha. Really yeah, funny. Yeah, very good. Right up, Lou. And it's not charging. And I'm starting to get freaked out because, well, I, I need the phone charged, so. I need, I need you to do something, Justin. Is that still my charger? It's still your charger. It's not the charger. The charger's fine. I know that. The yeah, hole, for some back. reason, is not um, is not accepting the charge. Wow. Well, maybe you got to pay it more. <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny, actually. Did you Especially leave it Especially with the Gilgo murders. What's that? You left it in an ATM at uh, one of the... No, I didn't leave it the, uh, Okay, why? Well, yeah, right. Now, here's it. Now, you got to try to fix it. Can you come here and try to fix it? Stick this in the hole and try to fix it. Just stick it in the hole. Figure it out. What else are you doing right now? Work. My job. I'm going to talk to Nicole Maliotakis. You're going to sit there and read about, you know, the the, the Knicks. Come in here and stick this thing in the hole. <laughs> right now, Libertini is writing down everything. I know, you say. I know he is. Here's uh, another bit. I I think I will take all of the hole comments <laughs> and pop them into a file, yeah. and then you can just play whatever you want. Come in here. Nicole Maliotakis is a great, great uh, politician, wonderful congresswoman, a very, very close friend of mine. She's back this morning. Nicole, good morning. Good morning, Sid. How are you? I'm okay. We had a late night in Washington, uh, and, uh, you know, we're expecting to go back to the districts today. But, yeah. uh, you know, every day is a new battle. In this I state. had a late night, too, at Rayo's. Not exactly Washington, but I had a late night, too. Yeah, I would rather have been at Rayo's. <laughs> yeah, I know you would. So, and I texted you at about 6 o'clock this morning, and you were having coffee. And that does beg the question, what kind of coffee does our proud Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis drink Every morning. Oh man, I, I you know I bounce, I bounce back and forth between like chock full of nuts and Folgers and Dunkin' Donuts. I think Dunkin' Donuts is my favorite. Uh, they my favorite too, much more than Starbucks. Are these Keurigs? You make a whole pot of coffee. Oh Keurig, well, it depends where I am. <laughs> yeah. when, I'm, when I'm when I'm home in Staten Island, it's a pot of coffee. When I'm here, it's a Keurig. So. You know, so here's so you're, you're in D.C. this morning. For folks that uh, don't know why you're there, uh, give them a heads up. Why is Nicole Maliotakis in D.C. this morning? Why were you working late last night? So uh, we're working on the National Defense Authorization Act, um, which is basically uh, all the funding that we put in place for all uh, national defense for our military. Um, and it's a very important piece of legislation. Uh, national security is obviously has to be a top priority of ours. 
Um, but in particular, we're looking for ways to improve the lives of our military men and women. We want to increase base housing allowance. We're looking to increase their salaries. The stories of our military men and women going to food pantries uh, to, to get food for their families is a disgrace. It's a national disgrace, and we have to address that issue. And so we're working on that, and also we're working on ending some of the woke policies that we've been seeing uh, in our military where we're focusing more on this inclusivity as opposed to actually being ready, you know, readiness. Right. Um, and yeah. the threats that we face, um, whether it be uh, from Iran or Russia or communist China, we need to be prepared. Uh, we can't be playing games. No, I agree. I've had these conversations with Colonel Keene, Colonel Jacobs, the woke army, and what it really means, you know, thank God right now we're not in a, in a big battle, but, you know, China can change that in 24 hours. And are we ready for that? And all these really decorated great servicemen seem to think we're not. They still think we're the greatest, most powerful army in the world, but all this woke conversation does nothing but hurt us. But I do want to bring it back to the vets. We're so worried about the migrants, treating the migrants nicely, get them a hotel, get them an Xbox, get them Yankee tickets, whatever it is, and the homeless as well. Why is it that still, still, this country hasn't figured out how to treat our most brave men and women? Why is that? You're absolutely right, and that's uh, what the Republican uh, proposal uh, pushes for, to make sure that we're improving the lives. And, And what's frustrating is, you say you want to you want to increase the salary from military. I mean, you can work at McDonald's, some McDonald's in this country for more money than serving in the actual signing up for the military. Uh, and it's really, truly a disgrace. Um, and when you say you want to increase the salary, all of a sudden it's like we don't have the money for it. But we have all this money, uh, billions and billions of dollars to be spending on individuals who crossed over our country or, you know, more more money uh, to be sending to Ukraine or more money for all sorts of other purposes to secure the borders of other countries. And yet when it comes to securing our own borders, uh, this administration is not prioritizing. And so our, um, our proposal that we're going to be putting forward and, and passing today is going to reflect those priorities. And then it goes over to the Senate, right? And, and I'm sure Schumer will mess it up somehow. Um, and then we have to fight over it. I mean, that's at the end of the day, this is something that needs to be done. We need to fund our military. We need to make sure they have the resources. But we want to cut out the waste and the abuse and the unnecessary uh, spending within the Department of Defense that we that we all read about and, and see every each and every day. And so it's about it's a balancing act, uh, and we should be taking that money instead of these woke programs. Let let's actually improve the lives of the men and women and encourage more men and women to want to join the U.S. Armed Forces, the greatest armed forces in the country and the world. Nicole Mato-Tak is joining us live from Washington, D.C. this morning. So you uh, beat Max Rose twice. Democrats, uh, you went through all this redistricting stuff. I think you did the gerrymandering during your your two races against Max, but they have certainly figured out a way to, uh, well, they tried at least to mess up the map to make sure that Republicans can't win. Now, I did see this morning the New York State Appeals Court is looking to redistrict again. What is the latest with that? Do you know? Yeah, so to to sum it up uh, for everyone, in 2014, the people of New York overwhelmingly said they didn't want politics to be dictating the gerrymandering or the drawing of our districts. They wanted independence, right? 
Uh, they didn't. And this was after, by the way, and, and then there was a cynical attempt by the Democrats to actually put up another referendum a couple of years ago to take that power back. And again, the people of the state of New York rejected it. But here we have the Albany Democrats once again trying to grab power. What they're trying to say is that they should be entitled and the commission that they put in place should be entitled to redrawing the map one more time as opposed to what happened last year, which was that it went to a court-appointed independent master who was an academic using computer models uh, at a university. Um, And you couldn't get more independent maps than what we had. We had the most competitive races uh, in in probably the country and certainly in a long time here in the state of New York, which is why Republicans won 11 out of the 26 seats. Democrats are somehow saying that's unfair because the maps were actually competitive and didn't tilt in their favor for the first time in a long time. So what's happening is they've sued again to try to – you know, change the maps. And uh, they won in a very uh, liberal, political, politically charged court in the mid-level court. And now it's going to go to the Court of Appeals. Uh, we're hopeful that the Court of Appeals will do what they did last time and overturn it. However, we do know that the judges now are different. Um, and so that is obviously a concern. We hope that all the judges maintain the integrity and, and the letter, letter of the law, because quite frankly, there is zero legal case here for the Democrats. Zero. And um, it, it would be wrong for these maps to be changed. And not only wrong, but it would be against the constitution of the state that says you can't change the maps mid-decade until the next census. Uh, so, again, the maps that were um, produced by the independent master can't get more independent uh, than that. And, and by giving it to a, a, a commission that was appointed by the state legislature will just politicize the process again and jeopardize. Uh, four to six Republican seats and perhaps the entire majority of the House of Representatives should this happen. Last week I had your borough president, Vito Pocella, and I love Vito. He's a great guy, really. I know he's on with John. He's on a bunch of shows. And I know Vito because of John. Thank you for that, Mr. Casmatidis. But I really like the guy. We were talking about uh, this migrant crisis and how now our schools, Eric Adams is considering already doing, I'm not even sure where we are in the process putting these migrants in schools, and one of those schools is uh, Newdorp on your borough of Staten Island. Where are we with that? And I would imagine you agree with Vito Pocella that uh, no thanks, right? No thanks. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with uh, Vito, and we've been working together to push back on what the mayor's been doing. Uh, We believe that the mayor has completely misinterpreted New York City's right to shelter law, It was intended for New York's homeless citizens. And the fact that you have more people who are citizens of other countries in New York City shelters and these new makeshift shelters than actual American citizens, while you see the American citizens um, on the streets all over our city, is truly a disgrace and shows you the backwards priorities. Um, Look, three things need to be done. Okay, we need a new president who's actually going to secure the border and undo these ridiculous policies. Republicans are going to do what we can in the House to use the upcoming budget process to use our leverage to try to get some changes at the border, uh, or else we're just not going to fund this, fund Homeland Security. And, 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 and we have to fund Homeland Security, but none of the money that's going to these nonprofit organizations, right, that are helping to facilitate this illegal human uh, trafficking, okay? Because the only people that are benefiting this are the cartel. 
And, and the mayor saying, you know, well, if we just allow them to work, the issue with this is the, the president has created such a mess with allowing six, six, over six million individuals to enter our country this way that the courts are so backlogged that it's like 10 years to get a court date. So even if you said we, they can work or comply for a work permit after 30 days, they can't even get that approval from a judge. So it's, it's what he's saying is not realistic. What's realistic is we need to secure the border, stop the flow. We need to add more judges to hear these cases swiftly to determine who's a legitimate asylum seeker and not. Those who are not need to be deported. Um, but what they're doing right now is inundating the system. It's unfair to those individuals who, who followed our process, did everything right, and now they're bogged down in court because a bunch of people decided they wanted to cut the line. And the mayor is just encouraging it by offering free housing. And the interesting thing is the city's telling me, well, now they're coming from other cities to yeah. New York City. Of course they are. They're getting right. free housing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't come to New York City I know. free yeah, housing? No, you're right. No, I think he's doing a bad job with that, too. Nicole Mellotak is 60 seconds to go. When uh, Vito was on last week, I brought up something that Joe Borelli, your friend, brings up with me all the time, and that is he would like to see Staten Island secede from the rest of the boroughs. What are your thoughts on that, Nicole? Look, I think that every day there's more and more people on Staten Island that don't want to be a part of uh, New York City. And quite frankly, they're starting to not want to be a part of New York State. And, and why is that, is, that be, is that because of Adams and Hochul, the crime and all those issues? Why is that? Yeah, because the one-party rule is destroying our city and our state. And quite frankly, no one on Staten Island, uh, well, I should say no one, people did vote for Governor Hochul. People did vote for Mayor Adams. But the majority did not. And so, you know, we're still being subjected to their policies that are so destructive. Crime is is soaring on Staten Island. If you look at the Comstat statistics by the NYPD, before Staten Island was kind of like isolated. But now you're seeing that crime wave move from the other boroughs onto Staten Island, whether it's car thefts, robberies, um, burglaries. Uh, murders. It is there. These these statistics keep going up on Staten Island. It's very problematic. We had a young man, 35 years old, uh, deli owner, killed uh, by in a, in a, in a robbery um, recently, and it really shook the entire borough. But things like this are going to continue to happen if yep. you have terrible policies put yep. in place. Yep. And unfortunately, Lee Zeldin didn't win because he would have changed it. Yep. He would have repealed the bail law, and that's really what we need. Not these little little tiny band-aids that the governor puts on and then says he's, he's fixing the bail law. Uh, and, and again, it's all about power. It's all about one-party rule with these guys. Uh, they, they don't listen to what the electorate is saying. Nearly half of the state said they wanted a new governor. Uh, 61% of New Yorkers are saying they don't feel safe. And yet the mayor and the governor are saying, oh, it's just a perception. Yeah. It's a perception because we're reading about it every single day in the newspaper. We sure. want them to do something about it. Add cops repeal the bail law, and give cops the tools they need to do their job. Well done. Nicole, you're always a terrific guest. You really are. So good luck in D.C. today. Have a great weekend. We'll do it again very soon. You're great. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. All right, Nicole Maliotakis, we have a big hour coming up. Steve Scalise, big-time guy out of Louisiana. And Geraldo Rivera, keep it right here, 8 o'clock hour, coming up next. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC.
All right, been a great couple of hours. Anthony Weiner, Curtis Saliwa, Nicole Maliotakis. Still to come, Geraldo Rivera, my dear friend of 46 years. Donald Trump's attorney, Joseph Takapina. Rachel Yucatel and more, but I love this guy. You know, you talk about politicians across the country. I swear to God, he's one of my favorites. Not because many, many months ago when he saw Lee Zeldin in D.C., he said, say hello to my guy, Sid. Jim Jordan does the same thing. But just something about Steve, maybe because he got shot and he survived and he's a tough guy, he's a hero. I just love myself some uh, Steve Scalise out of Louisiana. Here he is this morning, the House Majority Leader, my friend Steve. Steve, good morning, buddy. How are you? Hey, Sid, it is great to be back with you. I need to get you to be my hype guy. I uh, appreciate that lead-in. You, it's look, true, though. I love bragging on you with all my New York friends, and, and the good news is they love you. You said you had Nicole Maliotakis on earlier. She's been a great colleague, and y'all sent us a lot of good new ones, too. You know, we've got a uh, we got a, we've got a great group of new New Yorkers that are up there. They're tough, man. They come up, they fight. Right. You know, we know what's on the line up there right now in D.C., and these nuts that want to turn our country socialist, they're not going to let it happen. So uh, always good to be with you. Oh, you too. And I mean everything I say. And New Yorkers love you too. I mean, all of the whole country loves you, Steve. You're just you're a great base for the Republican Party. And we did give you some uh, good folks in 2022. I know your favorite is George Santos. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he, uh, he, uh, I know y'all are probably uh, you know watching every day what goes on. But uh, look, you talk about a little load of Esposito. Yes. Talk about. I mean, Lawler. you think of all of these guys. Lawler is uh, Molinaro. Him on some legislation. Yep. Uh, Molinaro, making sure that they don't put these uh, people that are coming here illegally in the schools of New York and in any, any state in America. But you're seeing, you know, all these crazy things. And yet you got members that are in your in your delegation, you know, and Garbarino has been there. He, he's the wily old veteran. You know, he's been there about three years now. And he. uh He's tough. He's a tough guy, too. Well, he better be good because he replaces a guy that I think, when I talk about the legends in New York politics the last oh, 30 years. Great Peter King. Right, right. I mean, great Peter and Rudy, Rudy all these guys, all on the station, mind you. So uh, that's why you come on here because John Katzmatidis has done a great job putting on all these uh, great heroes on this station. A person that's not a hero is the president, unfortunately. You'd like him to be, but he's not. And all these stories, Steve, about the Biden crime family, your good friends, Jim Comer, Nancy Mace, a host of others, hard at work every day trying to prove that the Bidens are, in fact, a criminal enterprise. I think they're doing a very, very good job. I'm just really waiting for the big shoe to drop on the Bidens. Am I going to get that? Well, what you're seeing is more whistleblowers come forward. There's more information coming forward. You know, and I, I work as the majority leader with all of our committee chairs, and Jim Jordan and Jamie Comer are relentless. I mean, you've had, you've had them on your show, but, look, they are just scratching the surface. Some of the stuff that you've seen come out has only come out because you've got these Republican chairmen saying, we're going to finally find out what any Democrat could have found out the last two years. They just put their head in the sand because – you know, they hate Donald Trump so much that they said, if it's Biden, we're just going to let it go. And these millions of dollars coming into shell corporations. I remember when Jamie Comer started laying this out. He said, Steve, you're not going to believe this. Look at what we're finding. And th- you had the Bidens, by the way, trying to block us from finding out all these shell corporations. And so they were able to figure out through other means what was going on. And some of this money's coming from foreign countries, Sid. And it's millions of dollars going to multiple Bidens, not just Hunter Biden, it's a lot of Bidens, and then 
of course, this all leads to the big guy. And I think everybody knows the big guy is Joe Biden, but they're building that case because the Bidens are trying to hide where all the money's really going and who is commingling. Look, if you've got a joint shared checking account with your son and your son is going to foreign leaders while you're vice president of the United States and bringing millions in selling your influence and you're half you're half you have half access to that checking account, then that means that's your money too. And to try to act like, oh, I had no idea where this was coming from. I had no idea what was going on. Look at the text messages they just uncovered this week. You know, where you got Hunter Biden saying, I'm sitting right here next to my father yeah. and he's shaking the yep. former Chinese yep. Communist Party yep. leader down for more money. And he got the money. He got the money, and then there you guys are talking about how relentless you guys are. I thought did a great job. Matt Gates specifically, I thought Matt Gates was the MVP a couple of days ago when you guys Matt grilled. Won't, Matt won't let up either. Oh, I know he's I a mean, tough son of a gun. He beat the living daylights out of uh, out of Christopher yeah. Ray and Ray sat there as you saw Stephen lied the whole time. Yeah, you know, are you covering for the Biden family? Was Matt's seminal question. You know, there were other questions that they asked. Chairman Ray, that are very valid questions that he just flat out said, I'm not going to answer. Yeah. You know, forget about, yes, it's happening or no, it's not happening. He said, I'm not going to yeah. tell you. Yeah. What, is, what does that tell you? Guilty. That's what it tells me. Kind of like Jim Comey giving me 30 minutes as to why Hillary Clinton is dead guilty and then saying, yeah, but so what? We're going to let her go. Letting her off. <laughs> yeah. We're going to let her go. Walk that free. But then, and look, this is at the heart of it, Sid. And look, New Yorkers are, are people that are tough, but they're fair. If somebody's breaking the rules, go after them. But if I see you letting this guy off the hook and this guy's friend off the hook and anybody that's got a D next to their name off the hook, and then, boy, I don't even know if I've got something on Donald Trump, but, hey, they just don't like him, so they go after him over and over. They raid his house, you know, and that, that was discussed in the Ray hearing. You know, you raid his house when he's got his documents under lock and key that he had as president of the United States, and then here's Joe Biden in a garage behind his Corvette having documents that he had from when he was vice president or senator, which he didn't have the legal ability to have those classified documents, and they weren't in lock and key. And yet he gets off the hook. They call him, hey, can we come over? Trump, they literally kick in the doors. You've got secret <laughs> service agents that are protecting the place. If, if justice was blind, I think everybody would be, be saying, okay, just go and look into everybody. But when they're only looking into their political enemies and they're letting their buddies off the hook, that's where you create the problem because then there's two sets of rules. And there can't be two sets of rules if we're going to be a country like America, not a third world country where they do this every day. But this is the United States of America, and none of us should want to tolerate that. And, and we see it happening, and that's what the core of this is. Two minutes to go. You know, China, of course, has become our, our biggest problem. It's not uh, Ukraine, Russia. Stop. I'm begging you guys. Stop. China's our yeah. biggest issue. And uh, you got John Kerry flying on private jets all over the world, lying, saying, oh, I don't own the private jet. You may not own it, but you're on it every day. And then he refuses to call Ping a dictator yesterday. I mean, even that, forget about Christopher Ray. John Kerry, Steve Scalise, was even more pathetic yesterday. Well, if there was a Hall of Fame for hypocritical Democrats <laughs> who want the rules to apply to you but not them, John yeah. Kerry is probably – He's the GOAT. I mean, look, he flies around in his private plane. Whoever's private, it's, I'll tell you what, what it's not. It's not a commercial airliner. It's not no. his sailboat. He's got a sailboat. He can go from Nantucket 
all the way to Iceland to collect his Global Warming Award. But no, he's got to get on a private jet. And he says, oh, but I'm too important. You know, so he wants you to drive around in a Prius with three masks on by yourself. But he can fly over there and fly to Europe on his private jet where there's no solar panels on the wings. It's all fossil fuels. And then he gets there with his buddies and they're drinking wine and cheese and going, let's make all those other people eat cake and have to not use fossil fuels. And they said, don't worry, but the rules won't apply to them. Well, you know what? People are watching people like John Kerry. And Gavin Newsom did this during COVID where he said, don't go to your your grandmother's house during Thanksgiving because you're going to kill everybody. Yeah. And people actually bought that in California. They buy a lot of things in California. And then they see him out at the fancy restaurant <laughs> with his buddies and nobody's got a mask on. Nobody. The hypocrisy nobody. actually yeah. makes our argument better than of anything. Course. And I, I tell you, the goat of hypocrisy in the Biden administration is John Kerry. I agree. 30 seconds ago, yes, I also remember uh, Gavin Newsom at a Dodger game with Magic Johnson right during the whole thing. Anyway, please. No mess. No mess. 30 seconds to go. Derek Carr, my dear friend Steve Scalise, former Raider quarterback, is now the New Orleans Saints quarterback. What are expectations? Who that? that? (laughs) They're a lot higher. Look, in New York, the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. You know, but but look, the Saints, we, we missed the playoffs the last few years after Drew Brees retired. We had one of the great ones of all time, won a Super Bowl, went to the playoffs every year, you know, and you can't take it for granted. But now I'm, I'm fired up about Derek Carr. People in New Orleans are too. And, you know, I think if you look at the NFC South, we got a great chance to win it. You know, and what if we had a Saints-Jets Super Bowl? I think you and I ought to go to that and oh, have a fun wager. I would love that. Some really good food. I, you know, so actually, I actually. They'll still allow wood-fired pizzas yes. in, in New York. <laughs> I love them. I, I, I say, the heck with all of these idiots that are trying to ban this stuff. Make yeah. them eat, you know, eat on a, a wood fire in the in the woods or something. You and I are going to go to a wood-fired place, and then I'll get you some charbroiled oysters from New Orleans. Oh, now you're talking. That's the mayor, Eric Adams, trying to do that. I actually, I had a big uh, golf tournament. I did my show from a couple of weeks ago at Ohika Castle on Long Island, and Doug Marone sat down with me, the great offensive uh, coordinator for the New Orleans Saints. And he was talking up Carr and the Saints. He's excited about this year. But on the way out, yes, that is, I would love one day, whether it's a Jets, any team, to go to a Saints game with you in New Orleans. That would be a dream for me. I'd love that. No better place. We'll have a great time, but I'll tell you, we're also going to eat some really good food. Now you're talking. Steve, it's great to have you, buddy. I really do love your continued success. You are a hero to us folks in the Republican Party. Stay well. We'll do this again very soon. Thank you. Well, God bless you, Sid. Great being with you again. You too. It's my friend Steve Scalise. That's my guy right there. Love him. Louisiana, that is a tough guy right there. He's going to punch you across the face, Alec. Yeah, I mean, I've never been, I've never been shot. So Never? He's got me in that, uh, no. in that area. You've never been shot? Not yet. What kind of wuss are you? <laughs> I mean, listen, you know. How many people in this building right now have been shot? Well, Curtis Sliwa. Uh, apparently everybody but me. <laughs> no, no, no one else got <laughs> shot. Just Curtis Sliwa, right? That's it? Yeah. No, not Bo, right? No? I'm no, sure Bo, Bo was, sure uh, was shot, shot at, at but, but I'm not sure anybody ever shot him. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. my alarm is going off in my house, I swear to God. Oh, good. Oh my God! Yeah, it is. Oh, I got I got ADD calling me ATT. Oh, great. oh my God! My my contractor, Rich Clift, I guess walked in the house, and uh, he set the alarm off. Well, he's the contractor, so can well, I understand out how that. To turn it off. Well, there's a lot going on in my house, and you know, it's amazing I can do this show that I do it. Everything that you know, you know, Justin, what the hell's unbelievable? Danielle's here. Eva's there. Gabe's here. I'm there. And now I got the uh, ADT is calling me every 30 seconds. I'm trying to talk to the greatest congressman in the country. Right. 
And I got to deal with this now. Well, so now we have to go to break. You probably yeah. better call them because they'll be. Yeah. We have to go to break. Okay, so what's taking you so long? Shut up. Oh. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. In the beginning, there was the baby photo. And Naomi showed it to everyone. Then there was an internet radio show. Then there was Imus. Then came the book. Then came the other book. Then the TV appearances. Ready, camera one. Then the movie. And action. Then the other movie. And action. Then the big TV show. Right on set. Then the magazine photo shoots. Then, according to Nielsen, the number one news talk morning radio show in New York City. And now, it's official. Sid Rosenberg is famous. I'm famous. Famous. Seeger. Great show already today. Anthony Weiner, Curtis Sliwa, Nicole Malio Takis, Louisiana Steve Scalise. Still to come, Geraldo Rivera, Joseph Takapino, Rachel Yucatel, and more. We started the show two and a half hours ago. The Gilgo murders may have been solved. They've arrested somebody. Haven't found a body for 13 years, but this person may be responsible for as many as 20 murders, women out on Gilgo Park, Long Island. That is Suffolk County. I told you earlier, I called Ann Donnelly. I woke her up, 7.05 this morning. She's a Nassau County DA. But then I'm also friendly with Ray Tierney, the Suffolk County DA. 
But, uh, Justin, just um, for the audience, because all those folks on Long Island love me. You know, Bo Deedle, he's so cute, Bo. I love Bo. So he took me to Rayo's again last night. It's a big deal to go to Rayo's with Bo Deedle. It's a very, very big deal. He pays for everybody. He's great. And he made the argument all night at dinner. He was kind of embarrassing me. I know it sounds nuts, but that right now there is no more powerful person in New York than me. I said, Bo, will you stop it? Stop. You got mayors. You got politicians. John Katsimatidis upstairs. has. He said, Sid, you're wrong. You have the vehicle. You've got the forum. You've got the number one show. Everyone listens. You're doing other stuff as well. You're the guy. Did he stand up in the middle of the restaurant? And almost. Tell, tell everybody at the hey, Almost. I was, even <laughs> I got a little, even I turned red, which is hard because I'm so damn red to begin with. Hey, Joey Zaza, could come over here a second. Do you, you know who I'm sitting with, right? But to his point, I have friends all over. I mean, all these Nassau County people, like I said earlier, I helped get them elected. Me, I did. And Donnelly, Bruce Blakeman, sorry, Pete King. And then you got Pete, you got uh, Pat Ryder, and you go to Suffolk County, you got Ray Tierney. And what did Tierney say to you, the Suffolk County DA? I uh, gave him a call this morning. He was very nice on the phone. Um, he loves this show. Yeah, no, no, for sure. So, you know, if we want him early next week, um, I'm sure he'd be willing to come on and and, and uh, recap. But uh, basically said the case is still sealed. It'll be unsealed uh, later on today. When uh, when this guy goes to court, whoever it is, yeah, and I don't, I, I don't think they have released the identity. They have of the, not of yet, the no. yet. So, right. uh, whenever that happens, then he'll be able to talk about. All it. All right. So, so the other big story, of course, is the actors going on strike, because of course you know I've got the Gravesend TV show. Boy, this is a much bigger deal for you. Much bigger yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. The Gravesend TV show is actually second or third on Amazon Prime. It caught Yellowstone. That's how many people are buying and not bitching about the ten bucks. Or buying Gravesend. It's nine episodes. It's great. But I also did a movie, which I shot, ironically, in Los Angeles. You guys remember. April of 2021. I had to take the whole week off. Thank God my partner, Bernard, God rest his soul, was alive and he did the show. And I spent the whole week in Beverly Hills uh, at the hotel, then shooting this unbelievable movie in Los Angeles. And it's going to be a great movie. Bo Deedle has a huge role in this one, too. It's called Inside Man. It was originally titled Gemini Lounge, about the real bar on Flatlands Avenue in Brooklyn, where the DeMeo family, the Gambino crime family, killed people in the bar by day and chopped up their bodies in a second-floor apartment at night. And I played Joe Guglielmo, a.k.a. Dracula, Roy DeMeo's cousin. I served drinks during the day, and I helped these guys chop up the bodies at night. It's a great movie. Danny A. did it. He's the star. He plays the Mayo. Lucy Hale, Emil Hirsch, Ashley Green, Robert Davi. Uh, an amazing Jake Cannavale is great. Uh, what is that now, uh, Justin? I said you can't leave out the part now where you eat them. What do you mean? Apparently you said you eat the body. They ate the bodies, too. We did eat the bodies, yes. You can't just leave that out. Well, they, they kill Chris Rose. I don't want to give away the movie, but right. Jake Cannavale, Bobby's son, is an amazing actor. And, yeah, they would, they would chop him up to your point, Justin. You're right. And they were cannibals. They'd eat the body. They cook it up. Roy DeMeo was a psycho. He would cook it up. So I got a message late last night because the actors are about to go on strike, or they did go on strike, midnight, from Danny A. But before I do that, Fran Drescher, who's in Gravesend with us, she's very good in Gravesend. She's the president of the Screen Actors Guild. She in charge. And she made a statement last night. She is really upset. And she makes it sound like they are nowhere near getting this thing settled. I mean, nowhere near it. 
So before I get to my personal story with Danny A., this is Fran Drescher, a.k.a. the nanny in Gravesend, the president of SAG-AFTRA on the strike. Here's Fran. I am shocked by the way the people that we have been in business with are treating us. I cannot believe it, quite frankly, how far apart we are on so many things, how they plead poverty, that they're losing money left and right when giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs. It is disgusting. Shame on them. They stand on the wrong side of history at this very moment. We stand in solidarity, in unprecedented unity. Our union and our sister unions and the unions around the world are standing by us. I'm standing with you, Fran. Curtis convinced me. But Bob Iger, Mr. Disney himself, I guess he's on the other side of this. He also released some audio last night, I guess about the same time Fran Drescher did. He was on CNBC. CNBC. Very good. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Lewis. This is Bob Iger, courtesy of CNBC, talking about the strike yesterday. Um, speaking of content, we're in the midst of a writer's strike, and very likely it would seem to have a actor's strike. How is that going to impact things, and what are your expectations there? Well, I think it's very disturbing to me. I, you know, we've talked about uh, disruptive forces on this business and all the challenges that we're facing in the recovery from COVID, which is ongoing. It's not completely back. This is the worst time in the world to add to that disruption. Uh, I understand uh, any any labor organization's desire to um, work on the behalf behalf of its members to get you know the most compensation to be compensated fairly based on the value that they deliver. We managed as an industry to negotiate a very good deal with the Directors Guild that reflects the value that the directors contribute to this great business. We wanted to do the same thing with the writers, and we'd like to do the same thing with the actors. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. And they are adding to a set of challenges that this business is already facing that is, quite frankly, very disruptive. So they're not being realistic? No, they're not. Why not? I can't, I can't, I can't answer that question. I, again, I respect their right and their desire to get as much as they possibly can in compensation for their people. I, and I completely respect that. I've been around long enough to understand that dynamic and to appreciate it. But you also have to be realistic about it, the business environment and what this business can deliver. It is and has been a great business for all of these people, and it will continue to be, even through disruptive times. But, you know, being realistic is imperative What do you here. do in the interim, then? Does AI well, start it, to it write a lot the, of scripts? It will have a it will have a very very damaging effect on the whole business, and unfortunately, the strike will. there's huge collateral damage in the industry to <laughs> people who are you know who are support services. I could go on and on. It will affect the economy of you know different regions even because yeah. of just the size, sheer size of the business. It's a shame. That's it is Bob really Iger. A shame. That's Bob Iger, and it affects me. That's all I care about. <laughs> After all that, yeah. done. Yeah, now I'm pissed off. <laughs> I don't care Bob. Bob went on a whole bunch of, I don't know, people and whatever, but it affects me. Yeah, forget the collateral damage. you got well, direct cares? damage. I mean, I, I never take vacation, almost never. Even when Bernie was alive, he would take off half the summer. I was always here. They made me come in. They wouldn't let me take that time off. I have like a million vacation days. A million. I don't use them. Um, 
So I decided I'm going to take two days on August 10th and 11th to go to Los Angeles for our red carpet premiere for Inside Man. Because the movie comes out, it's still coming out. It's still coming out Friday, August 11th in theaters all across the country. That's the good news. So I'll be home, I'll go down to Battery Park or somewhere, and I'll watch the movie with regular people. Which Justin loves when I say that. Regular people. But I was excited to go to Los Angeles. And I get this text from Danny A., the star, writer, creator, director of the movie. And it reads, the strike means that actors have to stop all of their work, including promoting their upcoming films and movies. But the stars of highly anticipated movies, Barbie, which looks awful. I love Margot Robbie. Gorgeous. Barbie looks like maybe the worst movie in the history of cinema. Barbie and Oppenheimer, both due in theaters today, July 21, were able to squeeze in a premiere before the strike was formally called. So what that means is we're not having a premiere in Los Angeles, which really sucks. So that's all I care about. So you're going to be coming in then, those two days? If I'm here, I'll probably just come in, yeah. Right, I'll yeah. take a vacation, you maybe might as Labor well. Day. Or, right. You yeah. might as well just come on in. Shut up, okay. God. Are you taking off Labor Day or anything, Lou? I would think yes. The whole week, right? No, not the whole week. Oh, not the whole week, right. No. Yeah. You're, you're trying to get a feel for what's going to happen. You're still going to have a premiere at some point. At some point. Well, what good is having a premiere when the movie's been out for six months? But the movie can't. The, yeah, well, the movie's coming out August 11th. How can it come out with your... Oh. We, we just can't promote it. Oh. We can't have you, parties. Because, and, because you've done it already. That's it's already right. done. Now yeah. you, you, right. So there you're not... The movie's in the can. We don't need union workers. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's it may be the best mob movie since The Bronx Tale. Since The Bronx Tale, this movie, Inside Man, may be the best. Emile Hirsch is so good. Very similar to Ray Liotta in Goodfellas. He narrates the whole movie. Oh, that's cool. And he's a cop on the inside trying to take down the Mayo and the Gambino crime family inside this bar where I bartend in Brooklyn, which is a two-story uh, Gemini Lounge. Nice. Going to be great. Anyway, mm. that's uh, that's the latest with that. So we'll do some traffic with Joe Nolan. And then I'm very excited about this. Geraldo Rivera, my good buddy Geraldo. What do you got for me? Something else, Lewis? No, I'm just watching you. Yeah, pretty cool, it's, right? Yeah. It's Fun watching me. <laughs> I mean, Elena's back in, in here today again. This is the smartest intern yeah. we've ever Isn't had. Crazy? All these interns are so stupid. I know. They sit in, like, social media uh, offices. Yeah, they're, like, wasting they sit, their time. Right. If you want to be, do this business, you watch the guy that's the best at it. That's me by a mile. So Elena comes in every morning and sits and watches the show because she's going to get better. Right. The rest of these interns are like, what are they doing in the back there? Right. What they're, are they doing? What is Carly doing this morning? No, I, I'm absolutely not. But not to mention what she's learning from Lewis, watching Lewis do his yes, thing. Yes, Lewis is a, is, a, is a Hall of Famer. Right. She's not learning anything from me, but what do I, what do I know? You really don't know. I got to be honest. There's nothing to learn from you. Not nothing. Yeah. All right. So we're getting to Joe. Talk Radio 77. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. You're my best friend. 77 WABC.
don't know this, but when I was dying, literally dying in Florida, trying to remain relevant, wasn't easy working in a broom closet at 640 Sports. My sports station had a sister station, which discussed politics, 8.50 a.m. WFPL. Steve Lapa was my boss. I think he's with Newsmax now. And uh, this station had and still has a very popular afternoon lady. Her name is Joyce Kaufman. She does very well in Florida. You know, of course, the country, Florida, doesn't really uh, battle uh, states like this. But Joyce is terrific. And I wanted to do both sports and politics. So Joyce would bring me on. And Geraldo Rivera was the midday show here at WABC. And Geraldo would come down because he was syndicated on my station on 850. He was syndicated. He would come down and do appearances at that station. And him and Joyce were close. In fact, I remember going for dinner one night in Fort Lauderdale. It was Geraldo, Joyce, me, Jose Baez, and Coulter, the whole thing. And Geraldo's guy, Marty Berman, great guy. So Geraldo was always very good to me. In fact, during the Super Bowl, when the Broncos played the Seahawks in New Jersey, the only Super Bowl in New York, Geraldo had a spot on Radio Row at the Sheraton, and I sat with him for a half hour right after Dr. Oz was on. Long story short, Geraldo played a pretty big-sized role in keeping me relevant and getting me to New York. So I'm always going to love Geraldo Rivera. And here he is, the man himself, the great Geraldo. Good morning, Sid. Good morning. Congratulations on your success. I'm very proud of you. Uh, thank you. And, and I meant everything I just said. You, you say you're proud of me. You, you really went out of your way. You really did to, uh, to be nice to me, to have me on your show. I did sports a couple times. So thank you very much for that. No, you are really, wherever your travels took you, the heart of New York. And you're right exactly where you should be, where the city needs you to be. And, uh, uh, you know, you. you have an unlimited future. No, no Well, doubt. thank you. Coming no from you, that means a lot. So tell me a lot of stories about what happened at Fox, okay? I don't know how much you can or can't say. Maybe you're going to assume like Tucker. I don't know. But the story is, is that they basically took you off to five. You said, okay, you know what? F you. I'll just leave. I don't need this aggravation. And you just quit the whole network after that. Is that basically what happened or no? That's basically what happened. I have a year and a half left on my deal. But when they took away the number one show uh, because they were playing favorites, I, uh, you know, said, you know, forget about this. Why don't you just buy out my contract? Uh, I was surprised with the alacrity with which they seized that opportunity, but they did it. They were great, very gracious about it, I must say, Fox News was. Uh, they had a goodbye party for me on uh, my last day, Friday, uh, June thirtieth. I saw that on, on Fox, on Fox and Friends. That was great. Fox and Friends burned the whole morning. It was great. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was, and and I appreciate it. You know, I I'm the kind of person that uh, I, I I may not forget, I forget, but I forgive. I, I give people second chances, and uh, you know, and they, they that attitude toward me. Uh, made me not mad at anybody anymore at Fox. You know, I, 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 God bless them. They're very successful. Let them go on and be, uh, you know, all they can be, but uh, not with me. Not anymore. And not I don't understand when you years. say they play favorites. I mean, look, you know, 
you know, they're, they're bringing on more people who are liberal, middle, whatever you want to call it. I don't know anymore. Harold Ford Jr. is on the five every day. I mean, give me a break. Uh, he, he's, he's, a, he's a lib. So you did that type of stuff. And then you had your back and forth with Bongino all those years. That was very entertaining. Uh, uh-huh. you're, you're, I'm serious. You're able to speak from both sides. I remember specifically how emotional you were during the Paris bombing attacks with your daughter. You couldn't find her for hours at the soccer stadium. I don't know when you say play favorites. What didn't you do? What did they want from you? I, I think uh, ideology, Sid. Uh, you know, to be a, a true believer, they never, never trusted my, uh, uh, you, you know, my politics. I, I the Roger Ailes, the my sainted uh, uh, founder, the guy who uh, really put me on uh, in this milieu, uh, the creator of Fox News, and also the creator of CNBC's primetime lineup, where I was before I came to Fox, which was number one. Uh, he said the only thing in the middle of the road is roadkill. Uh, so Roger, Roger wanted you to take a stand. You go left, go right, but whatever you do, don't go in the middle. I think that the middle is important, and I, I think that uh, there is a place for a moderate. For example, all those years at Fox, I was pro-immigration reform, pro-reproductive uh, 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 rights, uh, you know, uh, uh, pro-gun control. You know, those are all left of center positions. But on the other hand, in terms of the economy, in terms of uh, uh, national security, and uh, in terms of the, the importance of the military and so forth, I, I, I went to the right of center. And uh, people have to wrap their heads around the fact that people take different positions on different issues. And once you start going everything on an ideological uh, uh, you know, scale, then you're doomed to be – like everybody else, you just, uh, you know, you can predict where people come down on an issue just by their uh, by their politics and their ideology, uh, ideological background. And it's so boring. That's not me. No, it's boring. That's I have to tell me. you that I, uh, even on radio, because there are days I wake up and I like Mayor Eric Adams, but days I hate him. Now, I, I mostly love Donald Trump, but I'm not afraid to criticize Donald Trump. I, I've worked with people around people that showed up at work every day and you knew. They were going to love this guy, hate that guy. And to me, anything predictable, Geraldo, TV, radio is boring. So I appreciate somebody who may take a stance on an issue. You're not sure which way they're going to go. But the truth is, while that ideally is okay, it does not seem to be working. Because to me, we're getting more divided every day, and there is no room for the middle. But look at, uh, look at Trump, who I also love, who I've known for 40 years plus. Uh, who put me on Celebrity Apprentice his last uh, time he did Celebrity Apprentice and kept me right to the very end. Hey, you should have won, by the way. That girlfriend, Lisa <laughs> Gibbons was not better than you, Geraldo. <laughs> but but he, he didn't fire me. He right. said uh, to Lisa that she was hired. And, you know, there's little things like that. Yeah. When you're when you're a Puerto Rican, you, uh, you know, you remember <laughs> those little things. You remember the insults forever, but yeah. those, the little gracious things. So, but, you know, with Trump, let me just quickly say, with Trump, uh, Obviously, I, I did not vote for Trump in 2016, but I totally admired him. And, and I was proud to defend him during the Russia, Russia baloney when they went after him so unfairly with no evidence, concocted a story with the golden showers and all the rest of that and, uh, and preoccupied his first two years of his presidency in a way that was very uh, unjust and, and counterproductive for the country. I was proud to defend him and to tear apart 
uh, the critics, even though some of them were people I, I know very well. Uh, and, you know, with, with Trump, I, I only turned on Trump when he did not when he turned on us, when he did not recognize the results of the 2020 election, when he uh, incited the insurrection, the riot of uh, January 6th, when he tried to. No, hold on. You know, no, no, no. You're, a mu- you're a much smarter guy than me. Much. I'll be the first to admit that. And, nah, and, and, no, you are. And, and, you say and, that, Sid, you're setting me up for something. Oh, of course I am. You're no dummy. <laughs> you're a smart guy. You know the definition of the word insurrection. What happened January 6th was not. Now, on any given night during the summer of 2020, in all of our major cities, with people showing up with weapons, Mr. Rivera, those were insurrections. So stop saying insurrection. Maybe, they may be maybe upset. They maybe they were. Maybe they were. Yeah, the they were. Is- they weren't in the capital of the United uh, so States. What? So what? So that makes it worse because people didn't, you know, one, one person. It did make it worse. It did how, make how, it worse. how many people yeah. died that day, Geraldo? How many? I, I don't know. I one. Don't know. The answer is one. Ashley, well, Ashley Babbitt was murdered by a black cop who to this day has not paid the price for that. Uh, and how many people were murdered now, during the, now, in the why streets? Did his black, why did his, his blackness? Why is that? Be, because, because that's what the media does. I'm glad you what said that. What color was Ashley Babbitt? I, I don't even know. I, I'm going, of course you don't, because you guys didn't cover it. And I'm glad you said why do you have to say black, because that's what the media does, you see, because they're quick to say when a white person kills a black person. But when it's the other way around, no, why do you have to say black person? Because there are so many hypocrites and such inconsistencies in the media today. And quite frankly, not calling out you personally, your network was, and I'm on with Jesse Waters. I'm on with Brian Kilmeade. I love you guys. But your network was guilty of that, too. You don't even know who the hell Ashley Babbitt is. And she was murdered that day. Murdered. Who is she? I mean, I know she, she was murdered. Who but is who she? Is she she much, showed up. What do you know about her? Well, I don't care. What, why, what, was she, why was she in that door? Who cares? That who cares? You don't kill her because of that. Yeah, who cares? You don't. You kill you're, a person. You're right. You don't get killed. A lot of people, unfortunately, uh, in these encounters. Unfortunately, chaos, right, right. But, 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 right. But unfortunately, it's, it's, when Michael Brown tragic. gets when Michael but, Brown but, gets Sid, killed, Sid, yeah, yeah, Sid, yeah. What what happened with the goddamn election is the focus. You've got to remember what happened. Yeah. He did not want the peaceful transfer of power. He did not. He was thinking with that crazy crew, Sidney Powell and the rest of them, thinking how he could sabotage the results of the election. I mean, he didn't want to give up the presidency, even though he lost. Yet that's not the American way. That's not the American way. I love the guy. You know, we uh, used to go to fights together, Atlantic City. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I remember. Uh, I've known him since, uh, like I said, the 1970s. Yeah. I was here when they, I was here when he took over the Hotel Commodore on 42nd Street and converted it into the Grand Hyatt. Mm-hmm. He got rid of all the hookers and the uh, druggies and all the rest of it, and they had a uh, he had a triumph. Well, Walman Skating Rink. I was there. I, I applauded him for all those things. Cheered him on. You know, glad to be elbow to elbow with him. How often do you get your uh, you know your hangout buddy in the White House? Sure. Uh, you know, he gave me tremendous access. I I, I love the guy for that. But there are some things that he disqualified himself to be president by doing that. Well, you know, but you know what's tragedy because he had a good president. Well, here's what's great about this country: you have the freedoms, Geraldo, to say that on my show. And even though we went back and forth just a little bit, I'm not going to cut you off. I'm not not going to allow you to say that. That's the beauty. But it does mean it begs a follow up, which is you're great. You're great, and I'm so proud of you. No, no, thank you. In New York, all that you've gone through, you're back. You're number one now. 
You're kicking ass on WABC. Thank you. God bless John Katsimatidis for stepping up to the plate. He's a good man, you know, great man, great man. Okay, but, 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 it, but it does, but thank you for all those nice things. But it does beg the question, if you're done with Trump and you're allowed, you're allowed to be done with Trump, what's the answer? Because the guy in office right now, this is the worst President Geraldo in your lifetime, maybe five of your Chris lifetimes. Christie? How about Chris Christie? Oh, he's a fat, stupid, backstabbing jerk. Anybody else? <laughs> Uh, 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 yeah, uh, let me. Uh, I like. Uh, how about Ron DeSantis? Now, why do you like uh, Chris Christie? I'm curious. Seriously, because I, I lived in Jersey, uh, you know, Edgewater for his both his terms until Bridgegate. He really took New Jersey from the toilet uh, to it or becoming a respectable place. Uh, he, he did a good job on on crime. He did a good job on uh, drugs and uh, and rehab. Uh, I thought he did a, in terms of infrastructure in New Jersey. He gave New Jersey some pride. He, okay. He's an ass kicker. Okay. Yeah, he's an ass kicker. And what about Ron DeSantis? I'm, I'm pro-choice. Ron so am I. Ron DeSantis is pro-life. Right. Ron but I, I, until he got off on this, all this woke baloney. Yeah, I thought that Ron DeSantis would be a great. Uh, listen, person. I, 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 I like them too. I lived in Florida, as you know, for sixteen years. I'm also yeah, pro-choice. He's a great, governor. He's he's a a great governor. governor, but you know what? I don't need a great governor. And why would I vote for a guy who has adopted the same exact policies as Trump, but hasn't done it yet? It's like sports, Geraldo. Why would I bring yeah. in a coach who hasn't done it? Trump's done it. DeSantis is basically Trump without charisma. What good is that? What about what about Pence? Who? Pence, the Who? vice former vice president. Oh, you better stop with that. Are you better, come on. You Pence, don't like Pence? He's a he's an honorable man. He's the most conservative yeah. of the whole crew. But the guy is still yelling and screaming about Jesus and pro life. He's got no chance. Come on, we got to talk about realistic things. Don't bring up Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence. They're all wonderful people. They should get jobs. Nikki and somebody Haley be a great vice president. Who would? Nikki Haley. Well, she's not going to get it because she keeps bad mouthing Donald Trump every day. So how's that going to go? Well, you know, I for, let me just say uh, we uh, we've now made for the record our our uh, differences on these 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 several issues. But let me just say that going forward, yeah. we need to have respect for the electoral process. We need. I would love to see uh, Ron DeSantis against Gavin Newsom, a generation of new leaders uh, with new ideas and. Yep. Uh, new thoughts, and not the two old men again. I'm an old man. I'm 80 myself. Uh, I, I I think of what would I feel like right now if I was running for president, which is a year and a half from now, and then four years on top of that, I could barely carry my luggage downstairs <laughs> at the Peninsula oh, Hotel. Wow. You know, I mean, it, it's uh, you know that we don't need two more old men. Yeah. Going fighting about the Cold War again. We need a new generation. A lot of it's people agree. Our, a lot of people kids. agree. It's time yes. our kids. Yep. I, a lot of people agree. With so I got to tell you, talking about your age, I can't believe you're going to be 80 because I know you walk, uh, you have a little difficulty with the leg, but I think you look amazing. And I remember yeah. when I got the job at ABC, they gave me your old office. Yeah, and nice I, office. Huh? It was a nice office. And I walked in and there was like a lot of pictures of a of a shirtless Geraldo on the wall. Now, just so you know, I'm the same type of guy. I'm shirtless all the time because you've got a beautiful body. God bless you. You're 80 years old. You can look like you still fight. But what was this? What was this thing with you? Where you had shirtless pictures all over the uh, ABC. What was that? 
You know, I, I a question that no one has ever asked you. Uh, you know, they, they've dealt with the reality of it without asking me what the uh, incentive is. Uh, you know, I, I was the first, like, rock and roll newsman. Yeah. It was just uh, generational. You played uh, Symphony for the Devil, uh, you know, Mick Jagger. I uh, hung out with the Hells Angels. I, uh, you know, I had my own motorcycle. I was always, uh, you know, I was always getting in fights. Uh, and I had more fights there. I remember uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, boxing commentators said I had more fights on TV than Jerry Quarry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just nice and never let anyone push me around and all yeah. that in my in my youth, uh, coming from a different place than most people on TV. Well, well promise me this, son, because we got to run. But you, you, you're all those things. You're great. You're 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 a legitimate legend. You're brilliant. You are a tough guy. You're, but you're also you're lighthearted, you're funny. So just make me a promise that we have not seen the end of Geraldo Rivera. As screw box news, give me the next place you're going to end up. I have no idea, but I'll, I'll tell you this. I, you know you know Willowbrook. You know uh, the developmentally disabled and all that work. Yeah, I want to yeah. be the champion. I want every family with, with a disabled uh, relative, Down syndrome, uh, with cerebral palsy, whatever it is, to think of me as their friend. I want everyone, I want, I'm like, I'm related to every one of those families. They come up to me now, they say, my auntie was there, my cousin, my son, my this, that. I want them to know that I will be watching as they try to cut down on Medicare and Medicaid for these people. I will be, I will be guarding. I will be guarding and busting the chops of people that are depriving this population of uh, services. This is very special for me. You're a wonderful human being. You really are. You've been great to me my whole career. I love you. I think you're a, you're a I love you. You really are. You're I great. I love you. You did a great job, and I'm so proud of you. You know, you, you showed what it's like to get off the campus. Come Thank back. you, Geraldo. Thank you. Coming from you, that means a lot. This was a great conversation. Let's do it again very soon, okay, buddy? Okay, man. Okay. Stay well. God bless you. I love that guy. Geraldo Rivera. You got to love me. I don't care if we disagree. Who cares? My God, he's smart. He's funny. He's got a big heart, that guy. Big heart, Geraldo Rivera. Come on! Artie Idolas, boy. Here's some Rolling Stones for you, Artie. We'll come back with Joe Tacopina, Rachel Yucatel, and more. Thanks, Geraldo. We'll be right back. Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Yeah! My friend Anthony, who owns the garage, it was a great scene with me and Dick DePetto and Willie DeMeo in episode five, I think, of Graves and In the Garage great clothing store legendary in Bensonhurst. He says, best interviewer, Howard who? You're the man. This is off of the Geraldo Rivera interview about 30 minutes ago. That was great. And our own Lisa Orban, who does sales here, epping awesome interview with Geraldo. Thank you for calling him out. Fantastic. They loved it. We're going to talk to Bo Deedle coming up again later on this hour. They have found, at least it looks like, the murderer from Gilgo Beach. Now we've got a name, Curtis Sliwa was he first to have this name. He had it 30 minutes ago.
Curtis is unbelievable. He had this name 30 minutes ago. We did not give it to you until it was confirmed, but Curtis was right. Rex Uerman, Department of Building Consultant, Rex Uerman is the man in custody right now who Suffolk County Police believe is responsible for anywhere between 10 and 18 murders. Gilgo Beach, Long Island. So we'll find out more. We effort to bring Ray Tierney on this morning, Suffolk County DA. He loves his show. He's a friend of mine, but he's not ready to talk yet because a lot of this stuff is still unsealed. But my next guest certainly knows a lot about cases and trials and convicts and murder and all that stuff. Happens to be the most famous and best defense attorney in the country. In fact, right now he's representing President Donald Trump. And most importantly, a dear friend of mine, dating back to our polypep days together for 46 years, live from Washington, D.C., my my dear friend Joseph Takapina. Joseph, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So we'll start right here with this breakthrough. I don't know exactly what they found out the last couple of days, but hundreds of police cars swarmed this house in Massapequa Park. Now they've got Rex Uerman uh, in custody as uh, the suspect in all these murders. Any thoughts on this evolving and breaking case? Look, you know, I, I, I think what this says to any potential serial murders out there is, is it's really hard to be a good serial murder these days. With the DNA, with the cell phones, with the, uh, you know, the cameras everywhere, you know, you, your, your telepasses, everything. There is really, um, it's a different world than the one, the days of, you know, Go, 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 Jeffrey Dahmer, or go back and back and forth, Jack the Ripper, or whatever. I mean, you have someone here now who is being linked to at least four. Now, don't forget, there were many more. There were 10. I think there are 10 deaths that they think are, are, are you know, connected to this individual. Um, but I think he's being held in suspicion of the four um, initial uh, bodies that they, they recovered. So right. the funny part about this is this is not, I, I think it's actually three happen. because they, they never really found Shannon Gilbert's body, but yeah, it's somewhere between right. there. They didn't find her body, but they're, right. they're, they're tying, they're tying this, for whatever reason, they're tying these four murders to this individual. Yeah. Um, and then there are more, and I think it's going to come down to, you know, how much this guy either talks or, or what they can tie together. But, you know, you only need one to, to loop him into the system. But the number climbed to about 10, um, by 2011. But that's the thing. This is not, you know, none of this happened last week or last month or last year. I mean, these are these are cold cases that somehow they revived. And it'd be really interesting when the facts come out um, of how they did this because it's uh, it's pretty crazy. I mean, the days of serial killers are, yeah. are I thought, were behind us, but I guess not. Well, know? no, it is behind us. I mean, the guy hasn't killed anybody seemingly, seemingly for 13 years. So it's way behind us. And why you're right, and it's interesting, is what did they find out the last couple of days that took him 13 years. I mean, maybe the guy's dying and he decided, you know what? I'm going to go out in a hail of bullets and I'm going to tell my neighbor I killed all these girls. I don't know. But what happened where they couldn't arrest anybody in 13 years and all of a sudden they get this guy this morning in, in prior cases that have gone cold? I know DNA is usually the one that screws these people because it comes back to haunt them decades later. But if it's not DNA, I can't imagine what it is. You know, it could be, like you just said, it could be loose lips. It could be... uh you know, a witness coming forward. Who knows? I mean, look, when I was a prosecutor, I was involved in, in, in homicides in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office. There was a cold case squad, literally, who did nothing but sit around all day. And I don't mean sit around in a derogatory sense. Sit around all day and review cold case files, files that seem dormant, seem dead, seem impossible to revive. 
And they, these, these detectives and, you know, district attorneys were, were phenomenal in the sense that they would just be dogged. They would not give up because they understood they were behind, the, you know, the crime. There were victims and there are families and there are people who want and need closure. And, and that's what the cold case squad does. So I'd be really, first of all, I'm very impressed that after, a, a, you know, a decade plus, they're able to actually link someone to this, but yeah. it'd be really interesting. I, it's going to be said it's going to be a DNA thing. It's going to be uh, some sort of you know confession or, or or some witness coming forward saying he right. said this to me. Right. You know it's going to be that way. Right. One of those. Great job by Suffolk County. So I saw this story in the Huffington Post not that long ago, and it reads: Hunter Biden's lawyer sends cease and desist letter to Trump legal team, and something tells me Joseph Tacopina that. You're one of the folks on that, quote, Trump legal team that got a letter from Hunter Biden. Is my guess correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that letter was subsequently published somewhere, shockingly, um, you know, leaked and then published, uh, you know, which is the the, the purpose behind that letter, obviously, was to get attention. Um, But, you know, it's uh, yes, I was I was sent the letter by uh, by Hunter Biden and uh, asking, you know, President Trump to stop. Stop saying bad things about him. Stop saying that the cocaine at the White House was his. And, you know, it's uh, I can translate. It's a two page letter. I can translate it in one sentence. Wow, 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 wow. I mean, so, so I, I, you know, it's unbelievable. I mean, this, this, first of all, Elon Musk, pretty well known dude. I think he's got 34 million followers on Instagram. He, you know, made the same comment. You know, there's, you know, that Coke bottle that says share a Coke with Sid or share a Coke with Lou. (laughs) There's one that says share a Coke with Hunter. Right. Elon Musk takes that, posts it and says, I will not share a Coke with Hunter. He's had enough. Now, I'm sure Elon Musk did not get a. (laughs) I'm sure not. No, I'm sure not. But but, but but when you think about this, it's really, I mean, first of all, President Trump has the right to say with everyone. There is still a person here. They think they want to sue. Please. Please, that would be one Ridiculous. of the great depositions of all time. Oh, we get please. to depose Hunter Biden. Oh, <laughs> I mean, but, you know, so wait, the White House, which is one of the most heavily secured and surveilled buildings on the planet Earth, can't figure out who more cocaine inside? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I think the whole thing is silly. I mean, I think it's equally as silly to pin it on Hunter. It's not like there's not other people. I, I, I agree. I mean, people in D.C. are such filthy degenerates. All these politicians, they drink, they do drugs, they bang everybody. They're in watering holes and bars till 3 o'clock in the morning. Some of the most respected people that you know are lowlifes. So to say this is Hunter's cocaine is so ridiculous. Come on. Of course, but, but, but I mean, look, you know, usual suspects. And, by the way, I think it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, right? I mean, Here's a guy who's had a history of problems. I mean, there's more pictures of him on the internet with crack pipes and whatnot <laughs> than anyone else I know. Yeah, um, me too. Right. So, so you know, the president took a shot. I mean, yeah. But, but he's President Trump is constantly under siege and under attack. I mean, I don't know. His father's Justice Department is trying to ruin his life. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. so I mean, really, that's worth a cease and desist letter. Come on, I think yeah, Hunter Biden yeah. has more people attacking him. Then, then uh, he needs to worry about. But to send a cease and desist letter that's going to go nowhere. Um, you don't mute President Trump. You don't shut up President Trump. And seriously, what are they going to do? Are they going to sue? And Hunter Biden will be a president. Of course and not. He, no, he gets no. to depose Hunter Biden. He don't want that credibility and all those issues, please. He don't want that. Uh, you know who really loves Hunter Biden? Lawrence Taylor. Because uh, LT used to be the brunt of every cocaine joke, but not anymore. Uh, <laughs> another very famous guy that you represented, uh, besides Donald Trump and tons of others, 
was the owner, former owner, I guess, of the Washington Redskins slash Washington Commanders. Maybe he still owns them, and that's Daniel Snyder. How John Gruden email leaks. John Gruden was fired by the Oakland Raiders a couple of years ago for uh, these emails where he was, I guess, homophobic and some other reasons. I don't know. So Gruden emails leaks to Snyder's demise. How did the former Oakland Raider head coach uh, make a make a difference in the life of Washington owner Daniel Snyder? He didn't. Um, ben Snyder didn't leak those emails. He had, really, it was not his interest to leak any emails, and he could care less. I mean, the, the, the Raiders are not his problem. Uh, the commanders were his problem. Although, um, and, although, and, although, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. John Gruden's brother, his brother, Jay, sure, Jay. Jay Gruden, was the coach in Washington at the time that John got in trouble, or am I, was my timeline off? No, 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 no. It was uh, during the period those emails were sent, he was. Uh, he was the recipient of some of those emails. But again, it still doesn't add up. I mean, look, the, the, the ESPN wrote a very lengthy, very sort of um, deep dive of an article. Uh, Don Van Natter, who's a terrific journalist, wrote this article. He's right, but at times he did a story on me years ago. I know him. Yeah, so Don's good. And he wrote this this article where, I mean, I don't agree with all the facts in that article, of course, but, but he wrote an article where he basically came up with all these scenarios of who the potential leakers were. Was it Snyder and his legal team because – uh, it, it, it sort of curried favor with Commissioner Goodell because Goodell, Goodell hated John Gruden because John Gruden had said derogatory things about him when he was a, uh, an announcer as opposed to a coach. Um, was it the commissioner himself because it served his purpose of getting Gruden out of the league and he got his vengeance? That's what right. most people think. If you read the ESPN right. article, that's where it comes down to. Was it D. Smith, uh, a friend and client of mine also? Absolutely not. But was it D. Smith trying to, to you know, and in, in, in strengthen his position at the at the union. Um, so they, they came up with all these different scenarios. And the answer is they don't know who leaked these emails. Um, but the person who really was not motivated to leak them or had no real benefit leaking them was, was Dan Snyder. Right. Um, and so, you know, they, they wrote this article with a lot of hypotheticals. Um, and that's it. And then they talked about this, this presentation that was made to the league where, you know, we, Snyder's legal team, pointed out some of the hypocrisy in, in, in you know, Snyder being the look, Dan Snyder's a, a, a pinata. He's an easy target, right? Easy target. Um, he's like he's like the, he's like the Donald Trump of the NFL, basically. Yeah, he's an easy target and easy to to gang up on, right? And and so so and, and at at bottom, Dan is a, a really terrific guy. He's he's different, but he's a yeah. he's a good he's soul. A horrible, but, you know. He no, he's <laughs> a, okay. But if you want to base it on results, you can't say I'm not listening. If yeah. you want to base it on results, you can't argue right. with that, right? I know he spends um, a lot of money. He does try to win it. He was bringing in guys like Bruce yeah. Smith and Deion Sanders when they were 90. So he does spend money. He tries to win, yeah. but the results are bad, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the results are bad. At the end of the day, when you're owning a professional sports team, that's what you're judged on, period, end of story. Um, but, you know, then we, they claim that <laughs> we, we basically were pointing out the hypocrisy of the league officials, you know, sort of judging Snyder when there were, you know, texts and emails from top league officials, you know, pushing the same agendas yeah, and, and yeah. talking about the same things. And, yeah. and, and everyone knew about the, the Redskins problem. By the way, you think that problem of, like, someone making a, a crude remark to a cheerleader in the organization was unique to the Washington Oh, please, of course the not. the NFL. Of course not. Yeah. I remember yeah. when the Knicks used to bang the city dancers themselves, all the players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're in a different world now, brother. I know. I mean, listen, I know. you know, these cheerleaders pose for pictures. In some of the pictures, they had paint over their body instead of things, right? This was all up for a calendar or whatever. 
and, and, and you know, then they became suddenly very offended by right, it. Right, of course. Very offended. Of course. And, and they wanted yeah. money. Yeah. And they wanted to sue. Oh, now, hey, listen, ladies, now's the time. <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah. You want to yep. cash in, now is the time. Take it from that's Joe Tacopina. The there you that's go. That's the environment we live in. Yep. That's the environment we live in. Not a better one, I can tell you that. But uh, you're great. I enjoyed this conversation. It's funny, ironically, talking about the Redskins slash Commanders. You're in D.C. this morning for your own trial. So uh, good luck with that. No, 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 not my trial. I'm not on trial. <laughs> I'm not on trial. Yes. Right. Just, let's clarify that. I am not on right. trial. I did make it sound I mean, like I know that. a lot of President Trump's lawyers wind up there, but I'm not there. So. <laughs> Let me easy. clarify that. Right. You're some, one of your clients. <laughs> Right, it's Clyde. And by the way, shout out on Gravesend, man. I just, I, I, I don't sleep sometimes. Thank God I'm on trial, so I can't let myself do it. But I, I binge that show, and that was, it's getting better and better. And you were terrific. My really? God, you do. You look like a scary mobster, dude. Seriously, if you want, I still know some of the Gambinos and whatnot. I can put you in touch with them because they would <laughs> love to have a guy like you show up at a meeting. You have that face. Yeah. The, thank the you. Oh, I mean, you, thank you. Woof, you fit the part, man. Wow. This is great. Thank you, man. You seem very natural, brother. But uh, I love the show. Tell Joe Willie, he did a great job again. And uh, I can't wait to uh, win your acquittal in the uh, season. Right, eight. season three, you're going to represent me and Dice. Thank you for that, man. That means a lot to me. And I love you to pieces. And good luck in D.C. And we'll do it again next week. And I promise I'll reach out again to uh, Willie today. I love you, Joe Tacopino. Thank you. Love you too, brother. You're the best. How about that? Tacopino. He even said it. I mean, I, you had to see last night, Rayos, everybody walking over. They, Of course, they talked about the show. I love the show. But, damn, Sid, you really looked the part. Was I really that good? No, they're scared of you. What are they scared of? Well, they saw you. They saw you. The Joe just said it. I, well, you, you listen, you sat next to me at Rocco's that night. Now, we're dear well, friends for 30 years. But you even said you kind of looked the part there. Yeah. yeah, in between bouts of pain with my elbow <laughs> while you kept grabbing me. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Here we go. Uh, Look at that. Look no, at that. I only did that once. Spring 17. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's coming right now. Right now. Uh, we'll talk to Rachel Yucatel and Bo Deedle has more on this Gilgo case. They've got him. Rex Ewerman, at least they think they've got him. Curtis just sent me a picture of the guy. He looks like a serial killer. We'll come right back on Sitting Friends in the Morning right after this. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC.
Fogino coming up in about 15 minutes. That'll be brought to you by Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers, PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They do build the world's best boilers. Bo coming up on the arrest of Rex Uerman. He's in custody right now. He is, uh, they're saying at least in Suffolk County, he is the serial killer, the Gilgo Beach murderer. So we'll talk to Bo coming about that. But I've got two very special guests in studio right now. One does a really tremendous podcast. She's been on once before. It's a great podcast. The other is her producer, Rachel Yucatel and Kelly Brink, who were both with me on the aforementioned Bo Deedle Bo's table at Rayo's last night. And here you are this morning. You both look great. I overslept. <laughs> I get up at 3.30 in the morning. Today I get up at 4.48. Oh, wow. And I'm in Queens. And my heart is racing. I'm like, oh, no. But I got here in plenty of time to do the show. First of all, good morning. How are you? You look great. Good morning. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you for having me back. Oh, you're always welcome. So that experience last night, you've been to Rails before, Kelly hasn't. Mm. But Bo at his absolute best. I know David Yontep was there, too. What's the name of his show again? Behind the Velvet Rope. Behind the Velvet Rope. He's a great guy. I love him. Sweet guy. Mm. How was that experience last night? Well, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was very interesting to see how many people would walk in to pay their respects to Bo Deedle. Yeah. Um, So that was kind of an honor. had to kiss the ring. Yes, and kind of an honor to watch that happen, right? But the food is unbelievable. It's such, you know, an iconic New York eatery, you know. So it was unbelievable. It was great company, obviously, so we had a great time. And he had great stories about the place and some of the folks that have been there, how it started, how it remained popular 80 years later. Yeah. And you're right. Everybody who walks in knows Bo Deedle. He's the man. Yeah. So you know what's interesting? I had interviewed him an hour before for my podcast, and we had a whole long conversation, and we ended it by saying, all right, we got to go to Rails. And I asked him, who, because everyone has been to his table. I said, who is on your bucket list for who you still want to get who hasn't come yet? He thought for a minute and he said, I'd like to have Putin because I'd like to have a man to man talk with him and just, you know, have some work. Interesting. I thought that was a great answer. That is a great answer. Yeah. Because yeah. he really has had everybody. He has had everybody. Yeah. And especially uh, in Hollywood. You know, the actors are on strike now, but that whole Marty Scorsese thing and DiCaprio yeah. and all those guys. I like that Putin answer. That's, uh, that's very, very good. Yeah. So the uh, serial killer, mm. they arrested him this morning. He's in custody. Rex Hureman. And uh, I asked you kind of jokingly, but seriously, have you ever interviewed a serial killer before? Mm-hmm. Because me, I'm obsessed with them. Me Jeffrey too. Dahmer and, and Ted Bundy yeah. and the clown in Chicago. He was really scary. John yeah. Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. You've never done it, but you'd love to do something I like would that. love to. I think it's fascinating. I recently just had on Chris Hansen. Who's He's like, a serial killer, well, isn't he? No, but he was, He's close. He was talking about how his best interview was with the happy face Killer. The happy face killer. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Um, how he he was most scared doing an interview with him. Yeah, and I I would find it fascinating. I've been saying to Kelly for a while we want I want to try and get an interview like in a jail with someone because I want to get in their head. Sure, you know? sure. So I find it fascinating. Well, when I was growing up, I was a little boy, and I had two older sisters, very attractive uh, sisters, and we lived in Brooklyn, and they were in their teens, late teens. They go out all the time, you know. And it was 1977, which was a crazy summer here in New York. Yankees beat the Dodgers in the World Series. We had a blackout, which was nuts. And we had a guy named David Berkowitz, a.k.a. Son of Sam. And he was walking around Brooklyn and Queens just shooting up people in cars, innocent young girls and guys, making out like you guys have done a million times in a car with a guy, you know. <laughs> and um, and it was so terrifying to me that there was somebody out there with a gun just randomly killing people, especially young girls like you guys. Years and years uh, before in your lives. Yeah. So uh, to me, that's that's what I can't seem to figure out is 
What what drives a I know they're crazy, but what drives a person to wake up in the morning and figure out who am I going to kill next? Yeah, I mean, it seems like it becomes an addiction. Yeah, oh yeah, um, an obsession. You know, I was kind of really into learning about Ted Bundy because he was so good looking and yeah. he was the guy next door. It almost makes it okay, right? It, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really like to get into his head, I'll be yeah. honest, but you know, obviously yeah. he's dead. He's so, dead, yeah. Yeah, but he was fascinating. He was. He uh, killed all those girls up in uh, in Florida at the university yes. and, and uh, that thing. Yeah. He was a lawyer. He tried to defend himself. Yeah. That was and a I complete think he, disaster. He escaped from jail once yeah, he did. or something. He, did. Yes, so he, he did. was just unbelievable. He was. So one of the discussions you told me you had with Bo was about a local city council member, yes. who I think is in Vanity Fair this month. This guy is a wretched piece of garbage, okay? He may have not raped that girl in Central Park. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he did. He probably didn't because he was too young. He couldn't get it up. He was too afraid. I don't know. But this guy was not in the park handing out flowers to old people that day. Mm. He was there to cause trouble. He was, as we call back then, wilding. He's by no means an innocent, nice kid. I know Ava DuVernay made that movie, but she does everything to protect black people. She'll, 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 she'll write something nice about O.J. Simpson because he's black. I don't trust Ava DuVernay for a second and this guy goes on now and he wins a city council seat in harlem mm. you seem fascinated by this guy this guy's garbage well it's such an interesting perspective because you both you and Bo have the same perspective Two very brilliant people yeah right? well obviously <laughs> um and i i find that i find that so interesting because as a person who's looking at a show about people misunderstood i've been watching the news and the media has been kind that's of, your first mistake yeah well the media has been backing him as this person who was so misunderstood, he was convicted and, you know, uh, sentenced and, and spent seven years, I believe, in, in prison for something that they say he didn't do. Right. And it's an interesting perspective that even though he didn't rape the girl, he still was causing trouble in the park. Yes. And I think a lot of people yeah. may not know that, may have forgotten that. So I find that an interesting Well, they just don't care. So now he's one of the exonerated five. Mm, who got, the... you know, millions of dollars, right? Oh, uh, millions of dollars. Yeah. Millions. And my friend Ebony K. Williams, who used to work at this station, did a show with Curtis Sliwa for, for a little while. And I used to go on Ebony's show all the time on Fox News, her Eric Bowling and Kat Timpf. And we became very, very friendly, very friendly. And uh, she did Real Housewives of New York a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. She starts the show wearing a sweatshirt with the names of all five of these low lives, including Yousef Salam. And that's when I started to say to myself, Ebony... What has happened to you? Mm. No surprise, of course, because the Real Housewives, for the most part, are wretched anyway. But uh, that's how she started that season. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I mean, I do believe that everyone deserves a second chance, but I think there's a lot of things that we don't know you, Everybody? Sometimes. Everybody? Well, maybe not everybody. Pedophiles, murderers? No, no, not okay. people like that. All but, right. But people right. that have made mistakes. But obviously this was... You know, very interesting scenario. So I found him to be someone I would want to interview because I want to hear his story. But I was so interested to hear your perspective. So how are you, are you going to make that happen? Will you interview Yusef Salam? Will I? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to turn down someone like that who might have an interesting story. Can you get that done, Kelly? Kelly Brink is uh, here, too, her producer. Can you get that done? The mic's yeah. not on. But but will you start <laughs> off by saying, you know, it's, uh, I'm glad you're here today because I've had conversations with two big-time New Yorkers, specifically Bo, Bo and Sid Rosenberg, and here's what they had to say about yeah, you. Yeah, I'll say, well, people still have some questions because yeah. I don't know that you're answering those questions in particular about right. what you were doing that night or who you were back then. And why you deserve a second chance in New York City. I, I want to know those questions. Now, talking about second chances, mm. I, I know this is uh, boring already for you. I'm sure it is. But to be honest, he kind of put your name on the map, and that's Tiger. 
So Liv and PGA, they've got this deal now together. you got 9-11 families that are very upset. Yeah. Uh, you are uh, in love, basically, with Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> People that don't know, on a serious note, Rachel's fiancé died back on 9-11. Mm. So you spent the last 20 years chasing down Rudy Giuliani, literally. And you got him on your podcast. Maybe that's a stretch. Just play along, okay? So you got him on the podcast about three weeks ago. Yeah. And that was a big deal for you. It was. So as a 9-11 family member, you lost your fiancé. Mm-hmm. Are you upset that Tiger, your guy at one point, and PGA kind of got into bed with Liv, a Saudi Arabian-backed I find it government. very interesting and suspicious, kind of, you know, that all this ended up where it is, right? Because so many... So many players took a stand and being on one side or the other, and now they're all enmeshed together. So it's a lot of people lost a lot of money because they turned down things by taking a stand and wanting to look good in a certain way. And now it doesn't matter because they are where they are. They're all together. Yeah, they're all together. So, um, you know, who knows what goes on behind closed doors? Who knows what those, you know, negotiations were and why, you know, it happened the way it happened. But um, I think people will be watching. You know, I think it's going to draw a lot of crowds. And and so it's it's. They're all going to make money. Yeah. That's all it's about is making money. They're going to make money. Trump knew what he, he predicted this last year, President yeah, but, Trump. But, you know, in, in re- respect with the people from 9-11 who have family members, I mean, am I personally upset? No. It's It's been, you know, decades. Yeah. And it's a, de- yeah. it's a decision that isn't. no one is thinking in those meetings about are we, you know, not respecting the family members of 9-11. I would hope that these people, like myself and people I know would not take it too personally. Well, they I, have. They've I been, know they, that they been they the have. Congress are wearing hats and they're getting crazy. I think that that's not really appropriate. Well, how do you how do you approach that day? I, I have a friend. His name is used to be a friend, Adam Schefter. Mm-hmm. He is one of the most popular information people in the country. He's Mr. Football for ESPN, makes millions of dollars. He's a huge star. Huge. OK. He ended up marrying a woman who lost her husband on 9-11. OK. And she had a, a daughter. So he became the father. Now they've had their own child since, but the first time I spoke to him on 9-11, I didn't know this, I brought it up, and he chewed my ear off. He's like, listen, Sid, we're surviving. we don't talk about that day, okay? Mm-hmm. We don't watch TV. We don't want to see the planes hit the building. We just don't do it. That's true. So he started yelling at me. I go, Adam, well, it's not really true. There are some people I speak to that lost people that day and want us to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Don't forget. If you, if you stop talking about it, you tend to forget. But no, it sounds to me like you agree with Adam Schefter. No, I agree with it's hard to, you know, for us to watch those videos that everyone else obsesses over on the anniversary. Which is that's gross. Re- really hard. Yes. You know, and um, I, I don't mind talking about it. I think it's important to talk about it. It's important to talk about the people um, that died that day and keep their memories alive and always remember. But it's something that is very painful. And when you listen to other people talk about it, speculate about it, talk yeah. about, mm-hmm. you know, their stories that didn't affect you the way that you ha- are affected, I think yeah. that's really hard. And that's that, fair. Might, be, that's that fair. might be what he means. Where was your fiance that day? He was at Sandler O'Neill. He was on the 104th floor mm. of the South Tower. So, right. One floor below Cannon Fitzgerald. No, no. Okay. He was on the uh, other building. Other building. So it was right. the second tower to get hit, but the first tower to fall. Mm. And I was on the phone with him that morning. I worked for Mike Bloomberg at the time. I, I was a producer at Bloomberg News. I went in work at 5 a.m. that day, and um, and I watched him die on our, on our did, news Did you feed. speak to him? After, there were a lot of people that were able to call loved I ones did. after the planes hit to basically say goodbye. Did you do that? Or? I didn't say goodbye. He was in the world. Uh, he was in the first bombing, you know, in 93. 93. Yeah. yeah. 
And um, they played poker until they were told they could leave the building. They were wow. not nervous. Right. So right. I know what he saw. Actually, I was covering it for news. I was on the newsroom floor. So we were on the phone, and he was reporting to me what he saw. And I was talking in the IFB wow. of, the, of the anchor mm. that morning, and he was watching people jump. And I remember him saying very clearly, quietly, I can't imagine how bad it is in that building to watch these people make the decision to jump. And I said, are you going to leave? And he said, and I could hear on the speakers behind him, stay where, no, stay where you are. Stay where you are. They were saying, stay where you are. Oh boy. And um, so he hung up because he said, I think we need to leave. And I still had the phone in my hand when the second. You heard it. You actually heard it. I didn't hear it. The phone went dead, but I saw it on our screens. I was on Bloomberg on the trading, you know, on the floor there. So we had uh, 1100 TVs. Yeah. And um, we all thought it was fuselage, remember, that, sure. that explosion. Sure, Yeah, so right. no one knew at that second that it was another plane. Um, but I saw on the TV screen how much lower it was than probably his floor. I still thought he was okay until the building. Fell. I'm sorry. Uh, for folks, boy, you really are great. For folks that want to listen to your uh, podcast, mm-hmm. uh, how do they do that? Where do they find it? you got great guests. You could hear how smart and uh, personal Rachel is. So where can people find your podcast? Uh, anywhere that you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, um, and we are misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel, M-I-S-S, understood. And I would really love for people to listen, comment, and I think you'll really enjoy it. I encourage people. In fact, I compel my listening audience to check out my friend Rachel Yucatel and Kelly Brink on Misunderstood. It's a great podcast. She's a very, very talented lady, very, very smart and also has a big heart and uh, is beautiful, too. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Rachel, you can tell we'll take a short break and talk to the man who hosted the party last night, Bo Deedle, as we wrap up a Friday morning with Sid and Friends in the Morning, exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Radio 77 WABC. Breaking news. WABC. Now, folks, I do have some breaking news, and it's not the Gilgo murder. We've had that for you all morning long. In fact, Curtis Lever gave me the name Rex Uriman before the press even did, but I've got more breaking news, and once again, it's from my dear friend Curtis Sliver. We do have a new police commissioner here in New York. This has not been announced anywhere else, but since Sewell stepped down, we Kind of went back and forth. Who'd be next? Jeffrey Madry is the next police commissioner here in New York. I know Bo will have something to say about that. Madry becomes a new police commissioner. Eddie Caban, who a lot of folks thought would and should get it, he goes back to being the first deputy. And John Shell becomes the new chief of the department. Breaking news, Jeffrey Madry set to become the new police commissioner. With that said, here he is, third time this week. He's so good with a couple of minutes, just a couple of minutes on this Gilgo stuff and this latest Jeffrey Madry news, former great cop and the host that Ray hosts last night, my dear friend Bo Deedle. Bo, good morning. Good morning, Sid. Uh, well, I wish Jeffrey uh, Madry the best of luck. Do you like and, him? Uh, well, what do you think of Jeff? I, I don't know him that well, but uh, obviously the mayor knows him very well and, uh, and uh, uh, Phil Banks knows him very well and he feel comfortable with him and all I say is that I, he's a, supposedly a cop's cop, and I hope that he does the right thing, and I hope he's his own person and understands what's needed in this city. We have the same intentions from the mayor on down is to 
stop this crime problem from occurring. And all I can say is I wish him the very well, One more thing on, on this before, before we move over to the Gilgo stuff is that Sewell the left, at least we all think she left, because, you know, she would not allow herself to continue to be a puppet while really Adams and Banks ran the city. So if Adams and Banks are like that, am I to believe that Madri is okay being a puppet? Am I to believe that? Uh, which puppet did you want him to be? Sesame <laughs> yeah. Street? From Sesame Street? Which kind of puppet do you want to yeah. I got no free I got no freaking comment. He's the police commissioner. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna say? Yeah. He's a zero. I can't do that. Okay. And all I do is I gotta give him a chance and pray that he's gonna be able to help this city uh combat this uh, crime problem and okay. that's that. This other thing is really uh, un- unbelievable news last night, uh, I mean this morning, and uh, the reality is a lot of people don't understand. When you have murders like this, there is no statute of limitation. These murders, these murders will be out there and they'll be investigated fully. Now, if you remember when I was involved with the John Bonet uh, murder of that little girl, Ramsey, John Bonet Ramsey, yes, right. And as the as the uh, DNA develop more and more and become more proficient as far as with DNA touch. A lot of people don't understand. When you have DNA touch, I could touch your beautiful jacket last night. My DNA is on your jacket, and it's become more and more of a, a scientific thing. Now, that was one of the things in the John Bonet case where they found DNA on her pajamas. But the DNA on her pajamas could have been from someone in the Far East folding her pajamas right. or someone in a store that touched it. Right. But right now, I really believe with these burlap bags, with the three burlap bags that they have, they could have gotten the more advanced DNA off that, which now led them to this person. You have to have something to compare it with. And this is an ongoing thing as more and more the DEA uh, uh, computers get together and start to categorize this, this is what you get. Now, it's not all just about the DNA on the burlap bag. It's got to be then some supporting. There could be some witnesses, but these are things that have these cases and make these cases, these cold cases, break. And the advent of the scientific DNA really, really is things that are changing uh, 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 guilty verdicts and not guilty. If you weren't guilty, it could certainly save you if your DNA ain't there. And uh, I'm just happy that they have something because I was just thinking about this last week, and I'm saying I just can't believe that this is just a dead issue. And there's been a lot of investigation, and these great detectives out there, these seasoned detectives from all over, from the state troopers and from the Suffolk County, Nassau County uh, detectives, are great detectives. And I, uh, I'm, I, congratulations to them. That's all I say that there's a break in this case. And it makes me feel good as a person that lives in Suffolk County. I'm in Suffolk County now. And, and in reality, this is a relief to a lot of people because sure. people have been afraid. Uh, for 90 seconds to go, Bo, you know, walking up to somebody and shooting them, that's different. But for a lot of these yeah. hands-on killers, Jeffrey Dahmer, hands-on killer, Ted Bundy, yeah. John Wayne Gacy, this guy, uh, with the advent like you're talking about of DNA, it's almost impossible now to, to do that, get away with killing 20 or 30 people. There's just The science is too good. I mean, are, are, are the days of those types of animals gone, you think? Well, remember what happened over there out west when the guy killed all the college students. The, go- the Golden- Oh, that guy, the Puerto Rican guy, right? Yeah, he oh, was a Golden Gate killer too out there. Don't forget, he was no, also no, I'm arrested. Talking, no, I'm talking about in the college. Yes. In the college, and when he came in, he had gloves on. He was protecting. He studied criminology. He thought he could beat the DNA. Oh, you know who you're talking about? You're talking about Elliot, the kid who's uh, related to the guy who wrote the Hunger Wars. He did it in California, Santa Barbara. 
That's who it was, no, right? No, no, I'm talking about the college out west in Idaho. And, uh, oh, Idaho. When he went into right. the dorms, did, and what he did was he was studying criminology, and yes. he thought he could beat any evidence that he could leave behind, and it, that didn't really work. And remember, they had to follow him to get yes. a copy of his DNA from a cup that he left or a cup of coffee, yep. and that was the that was the determined factor that they had putting him at the scene. So, I mean, this is scientific, and I, I hate CSI. I hate all these scientific things, but you want to know something? Times have changed. The day of Bo Deedle being a homicide detective, grabbing a guy by his neck or something, <laughs> and uh, you know, threatening him and make believe that I had other information. Somebody else is giving him up. That's a scientific thing that can you can never leave the professional detective that goes out there and puts all these. It's a puzzle. DNA is part of the puzzle. Then the witnesses are part of the puzzle. But these are the important things that we have to realize. A homicide detective, a real true investigator, put all these pieces together, and basically that's how they do it. And it's not just one piece of evidence. It's using that plus this plus that. You put the whole puzzle together. You present it to the grand jury, and then hopefully you go to trial. If it goes to trial, you get your conviction, and that's what it's all about. And uh, I love police work. I love detective work. We do it now. We just solved a major case of triple homicide in Kentucky where a guy killed three people, and we were able to get it through uh, ballistics because he had a Glock gun, yep. and the guys who were investigating didn't realize that a Glock gun, when they eject the, uh, the projectile, all of a sudden the cartridge is there, and it has this rotation on it that you can use as same as a ballistic uh, uh, matchup, and we were able to match up the rounds <laughs> from the guy's guns and, and arrest him on three murders. This is only a couple of years ago. Yeah. So this is Amazing. scientific stuff is here to stay, and I'm happy, and congratulations to those great detectives that worked so hard on this case and I'm 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 kind kind of happy that I'm a I'm a detective and that guys are still out there doing their jobs and as far as the New York City Police Department go you know we got to pray that uh, we curb this and it's not it's not perception it's factual when people mm-hmm. have fear so that perception thing don't roll with me Yep. Hey, listen, Bo, you've been great all week, i got to tell you. It was fun last night. You're always so generous. You take care of everybody. You're great. You've got great stories. You're beautiful. I love you. But thank you for uh, three great days on the show this week. Your thoughts just now on Gilgo Park and Jeffrey Madry. Have yourself a relaxing weekend. We'll do it again on Tuesday, buddy. I love you. Love you too, Sid. To all the listeners. Thank you. The great Bo Deedle. That's going to wrap up this week, folks. My man Bo Deedle, Jeffrey Madry, your new police commissioner, and Rex Uerman is in custody right now for the Gilgo murders. We don't. I'm going home. I'm going to go to celebrate the fire department at a baseball field in Brooklyn and Coney Island later on tonight. Met game with my son and Bill O'Reilly tomorrow night. I love great stories for you on Monday morning. Until then, for my terrific crew, Lou Rafino, Justin Ellick, and Noam Layden, have yourselves a great weekend. Check Instagram, what I'm doing at Rosenberg.Sydney. We'll talk Monday. Peace! Let's go.